So anyway, so yeah, thanks for giving me a bit of your time this morning. Anyway, man, coming on, no, happy to. Yeah, so I've been following you for. Um, I was trying to actually think. It's been a couple of years now. Um, sort of seen you sort of slowly grow into like, I think about just under five k, maybe or around five k followers now. And um, yeah, yeah. So, um, I, I don't pay too much attention to those things because I, I get obsessive. So I try to just do my thing and ignore a lot of the yeah, metrics. Yeah. Really hard. Well, actually, I was going to ask you about that a bit later when we get to the YouTube stuff. But yeah, I sort of what I'll do is like I like to ask people a bit about where they grew up and that kind of stuff, and then obviously a bit about hunting, um, yeah, uh, and all that kind of stuff. And then I got a couple other things I'll throw at you at the end, um, just you know, hot politics and that kind of shit. So yeah, first of all, because um, you know, as someone that follows you, I really enjoy your content, um, and. Like, yeah. um, and yeah, so I thought, oh, it's a good opportunity because I think what happens with the YouTubers, right? I, I do have a few on, and what happens is there's a lot of stuff about them that they just kind of assume people know about them, <laughs> you know. Yeah. So I like to use this as an opportunity because there's like, oh, always think, oh, where did that guy grow up? You know, what did he do? Rah, rah. So yeah, that's why I like to do these, and like, I'm a bit of a long, you know, conversation fan sort of uh, sort of I thing. So like yeah. So yeah, so we'll start with that then. So where did uh, where did you actually where were you born? Where did you grow up? Uh, I was Perth born and raised. Uh, my parents are from South Africa. Um, they moved over uh, thirty eight years ago or something like that. Okay. Um, and yes, yeah, so I, I grew up in as a, a Perth boy and just kind of yeah, just always loved getting out and fishing and doing lots of stuff. And um, yeah, n- never really had the chance to hunt. Um, like it was always something I wanted to do. Um, but just dad didn't, didn't hunt. Uh, he'd had a, a shotgun and stuff and, uh, that was taken in the buyback, um, from Johnny Howard. Cause it was an old two shot semi-auto. Oh yeah. 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 So he, he's still spewing about that, but, um, cause it was his dad's, um, yeah, he brought that stupid. over. Yeah. Well, just, you know, you're allowed two barrels. Like it doesn't really make a difference, does it? Um, yeah, man, don't even start me, but yeah, yeah I know. So, keep going. Yeah, yeah, no. So um, he he lost that, and he never really did anything once he lost it. Uh, and obviously, that was before before my time. Um, and so um, yeah, he just didn't do any shooting or anything like that. But then we, as I grew up, I got more and more into kind of the outdoors and mostly fishing because that was what was easily accessible. Um, oh, and like right. we'd go to to Rottnest on family holidays. Um, and like, it, I always remember because there'd be two families in one of those little Thompson Bay villas. And so I'd be like sleeping in the little garden in a, in a tent. Um, and like, I just, I spent the entire time fishing off the jetty, um, and just constantly doing that. And then just, yeah, as I grew up, I got like more and more into that sort of stuff. I was never any good. That was that's kind of the, the joke of the, all this sort of stuff is I suck at everything. Um, really? yeah, I, I was, I was, it, it just, I, I, um, I'm very eager and not very good. <laughs> yeah, so, well, um, well, yeah, that's funny you say that because I have someone who follows you. I would say you're pretty good at what you do. <laughs> oh, I, I, I make up with time, um, just putting a lot of lot of effort into these things and, and just keep slogging away. And that was kind yeah. of, well, that was kind of the joke of the whole Aussie outdoorsman thing. It wasn't a, uh, I called myself for that being a bit of tongue in cheek because I'm 
I'm really keen on all these things and not very good at all these things. So interesting. interesting. Yeah, and that that was kind of the point as as well as if especially in the earlier days, like it was just kind of showing that you know, kind of enjoy the the failure um and just yeah. enjoy being out there so yeah like I, I showed a lot of that stuff and that was very much me as a kid i'd go out fishing and just being stoked to catch some whiting and herring and spend like four <laughs> hours on the beach or wherever yeah. you know um, wow that's crazy so hang on back it up a little bit so because yeah. i have the impression oh this dude was like shooting bunnies when he was four from a boat <laughs> kind of thing you know what i mean and i thought oh honestly i thought oh your parents got you into it so yeah that's why i find these conversations fascinating because you always find out stuff so yeah okay so you and so what did the early fishing look like you said rotto yeah and then and then so what what sort of fishing did you do after that as you got a bit older like teen years and that oh like 99 percent of my fishing i've ever done is just off a beach or off the jetty like i think my mum has got a, a photo yeah. of me around somewhere dragging a fishing rod in nappies um because i was determined to go fishing and that was just very much me like i, I just get obsessed with things yeah. um and so even now still honestly 90 percent of my well maybe not anymore but 90 percent of my fishing was just just jetty or um off the beach and i think when i was i want to say 14 or something dad bought a little tinny um oh, yeah. and we'd we'd go crabbing a lot in the swan river like that was just what we did on saturday um yeah. you went crabbing and we and like never really fished like off the the, the tinny much it was pretty much we just went crabbing um yeah, we did yeah. take one trip up to, to coral bay and we did some fishing up there um, just hand lines off the tinny and that was great fun caught some like tusk fish and and all sorts of stuff uh, but you know just like I think partly because my parents didn't know and like this was pre like good internet days like you know nowadays you can kind yeah. of go on stuff and you can find like a wealth of everything like you, you'd go online and there'd be like photos of someone catching snapper but like no help on how we did it yeah, and like stuff yeah, like that so right. it was very much well like, that was that was even early magazines yeah, and, and I I never I never read a lot of the magazines. I don't know what it was, but um, yeah. So I just I knew how to fish from a, a a jetty and off from the beach and catch whiting and herring, and I liked catching things. So I was I was just stoked to do that all the time. What do you um, think it was about fishing that attracted you to it? Uh, I don't know. Like I, I like I think it's just I was always loved being in nature, um, and so like that was something that was accessible, and like. Yep. From like just the youngest age, like the, the bringing something home was huge. Like, you know, even yeah. now, like I have zero interest in climbing a mountain, but like you tell me there's something up there that I can eat. I'm like, <laughs> I'll climb up there. Like, no, no doubt. Like, I'm happy to do it. Like, I don't care if it's a, a tar or if it's a mushroom that's like really tasty. Like, I'll go do it. That's that's fun True. for me. True hunter. Um, but it was just, yeah, something about being, like, I feel like there's a huge difference between like walking on a beach and fishing on a beach because like one you're viewing nature mm. and one you're a part of it and I, that was just always kind of connected with me yeah interesting i always liked I, I like i've had a few fishing guests on i always like to ask them that because nearly everyone roughly kind of almost says the same thing but differently because it's a um yeah i think it's big when you're a kid too right it's like the easiest hunting that's the way yeah it's like the easiest huckleberry fin you'll find that's what yeah. I kind of, you know, and if you were a kid who dreamt, you know, grew up dreaming of doing those things, I think fishing's like a natural way to get into it because it's a lot easier than obviously bow hunting or hunting, you know. Yeah, and it just, you know, it, it was it, it was accessible, I think. It's like, yeah. you know, it's something you can do. And we were fortunate enough that um, we'd go down south quite a lot so I could literally walk myself to the beach with a fishing rod 
and that's what yeah. I would do. Yeah. Um, I was really spoiled for that. Yeah, and so then after high school, so you left high school, and then what did what did you do? Yeah, well, probably the first. Um, basically, the day I turned eighteen, I, I went and applied for my firearm license. Um, and but I, I'd managed to go. We had fam. We've got family friends in Germany. Oh yeah, um, and they're ba- barons or something. It's it's wow. all a bit. Um, yeah, that, so they're like long family friends that my mum knew when she was a kid, because um, my like um, and and my grandparents knew and all that sort of stuff. And and so we went and um, visited them in in Germany, and they own basically a, a castle and estate. Um, and because of the time, <laughs> yeah, I know, it, 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 yeah, it's it's wild. It's it's like yeah, there are thousands of acres around this place, and it's absolutely beautiful. And so um, I was. Wow. 15 16 when I, we went to as a family holiday and um and they, that was the time of year where they were doing their driven hunt oh man so i got to I, I was basically one of the beaters on that that driven hunt and um, yeah. got to see that whole experience and that was probably what oh. really just kind of clicked in me like i was like i just have to find a way to do this um yeah, maybe wow. not the driven hunt style but like it was just you know hunting um, wow, that's crazy. So that's for pigs, eh? Or that was pigs and deer, yeah. So deer. we were basically the a couple times a year they'll do a big push through their forest, yeah. Um, and like that, that they're basically they've got very like it, it's very specific animals they're targeting. Like it was all pigs are on the menu, all foxes are on the menu, but then as soon as you got to deer, you're allowed to shoot does and basically non-trophy stags but like it was very confusing yeah. as to like what's a trophy stag and what's not a trophy stag and like it's like they're hunting rules over there like because um, one of them came and stayed with us for a, a six months uh, when I, I would have been in year 11 and um, he stayed and he went to school here for a bit as well and um and he was showing me his hunting test he was like actually learning and it was like it was like a, a almost like a, a a university course or a TAFE course like there's a booklet yeah. with like shot placement and bullets so like these guys know exactly what they're looking like and and it was wild to see like them like they'll go to shooting cinemas that like we don't have over here but basically it's like a projector on a screen and they'll practice shooting at running game and all that sort of stuff yeah um, and like they're like watching them shooting would leave a lot of Australians for dead to be honest <laughs> Like that, like, yeah. Um, the European countries are so different. Like one of my mates, um, he's a professional bow hunter in Sweden. Yeah. Um, and mate, bow hunting is actually banned in his country. So yeah, all he yeah. he does all his guiding and all his work outside his country. <laughs> Wild. Yeah. It's it's there's some weird. It's very it's so strange. Like, yeah. Like, but yeah, Germany, Germans are right into it. They've always embraced hunting. So yeah, my dad was actually German, but technically Latvian. So they were yep. in Germany. That's where they happened to be because they were, it was just before the war and they were getting out. Pop saw what was coming. So it was like getting yep. out and they happened to be. So yeah, technically I'm half German, but my, 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 dad was actually Latvian so yeah I do sort of know a bit about that and the the boar hunting actually I wanted to ask you about that so I wanted to go back so you basically said that made such an impression on you that yeah. whole experience and I wanted to ask you so you obviously they hunted and then you ate the food as well you ate so, um <clears throat> over there so what the driven hunt was is basically you in the morning so the day was broken up into two sections um and all the shooters drew 
straws or whatever for their spots. Okay, um, yep. In the morning, I spent it with the beaters and you like dogs and stuff, and you're pushing the the animals towards the things. And, yep, yep. Um, and then in the afternoon, I asked to be with one of the um, after the family that were there, and, and he was shooting. Um, and so he was shooting. He shot a, a deer as well. Um, but then at the end of the day, you do like a big ceremony and stuff. So you don't actually eat the animals there, but like there's a big ceremony and a big dinner afterwards, and a big like there's a song for every animal that was every species that's shot. Um, okay. and like a, a ceremony for all the hunters and who actually shot something. And, and yeah. it's like, it was just, it was a, a pretty amazing experience. So we didn't get the chance to eat any of the things that were shot that day, but I had, because we stayed with them, we ate some of the wild boar, um, and a few things like that while we were there. And it was just awesome because they, they sell a lot of that meat as well. Um, okay. yeah. so that was one of the ways that the estate makes, makes money back is that they actually sell the excess wild meat. Um, yeah. Yeah, so it's because like over there, the government tells them how many animals they have to shoot each year on the estate and stuff as well. Oh, okay, um, interesting system. So yeah, it's yeah. it was very complicated from what I can remember, and this was yeah, sounds it was like it. a while ago. It's like a complicated tag system. Yeah, yeah, and it, it's it, from what Hare was telling me at the time is like they've got to be really careful because the government will find them if they don't do the right thing as well. Um, like wow. they get fined if they don't shoot enough. They get fined if they shoot too many. Um, they're only allowed to take so many trophy animals. Like it, it's, it gets pretty complicated pretty quick. Yeah. Okay. It's probably not a bad idea, but still good management, but yeah. Okay. So I find that interesting. So yeah, that made an impression on you. So then you come yeah. back to Australia and then like what happens next? Uh, well, not a lot for a couple of years. Um, just cause again, it was just hard. We didn't really know anyone. And then one of our family friends, uh, turned out to be into their shooting and hunting. And, um, I eventually got an invite to go, uh, goat and donkey shooting, um, with them on a, on a week long trip. And that was where I shot my first goats and I was, would have been 17 at the time. Oh, yeah, um, nice. so I got to shoot a couple of goats and kind of, uh, see just, bit of the outback and all that sort of stuff um and then literally yeah, the the day i turned 18 i i went out and basically applied for my my gun license um yeah you got a taste for it and that was it yeah yeah and then that was kind of um that was yeah an experience in itself and i for some of the people that remember like that was big when the forums were big um and oh, yeah. so that was, I was on all the forums trying to scrounge up any kind of information on getting hunting access and where to go and all that sort of stuff. And basically once I got my gun license, I was driving everywhere within a couple of hours of Perth every weekend, door knocking. Um, yeah. Putting the yards in. Yeah. That's what, I mean, obviously I'm sure you, you and I both see it. You see it on the hunting pages now, you see it all the time. People post up, oh, I'm looking for somewhere to shoot. And like every now and again, I'll be bothered and I'll comment and I'll say to them, look, you know, you just got to put the the groundwork in you just got to drive around knock on doors and like you know obviously start with any kind of people that you know and you know you got to approach it it's a bit like sponsorship right so many people approach it the wrong way and you got yeah. to think about like what's in it for the farmer you know yeah so like my trade is painter and decorator so like usually i'll ask them oh you got anything that needs painted now <laughs> since yeah. you and i know every farm's got something that needs painting <laughs> i'm looking at my bloody my study here that's half painted exactly 
Um, exactly. So yeah, that's what I do. Even you know, even my brother-in-law, who you know, my sister and brother-in-law have got a property, you know, um, which I can go to any time, and you know, I've got the keys to the cabinet kind of thing. But I still make sure, like when I go out there, I do painting and you know, fix it all up. I just don't, you know, I don't pull the piss sort of thing. So yeah, a lot of people approach it. So you obviously had the right kind of attitude at the start, and you were keen, you know. And yeah. then at what point? I'm interested to know. So at what point did you actually make the the leap from Perth to because uh, you're obviously down you're down south. What area actually are you based? Yeah, we're down near Albany. Um, oh, Albany, yeah, okay. Yeah, so basically we were in Perth. We had a house, um, and then my wife, uh, my now wife, finished her her law degree, um, oh, yeah. and so she, she got offered. Uh, basically, we were in Perth, and we were doing. Um, we were pretty happy there and whatnot. But we we always wanted to move to the southwest of Great Southern somewhere. Um, like I, I just didn't want to be in the city. Um, yeah. I was I was over it, and she was over it as well. She she always wanted to move out, um, but she couldn't get a job basically when she finished her degree um, in the southwest. And so, the, uh, law, lawyers have to do restricted practice after they finish their things. So they basically they they get you know um, supervised yes. by a, a qualified lawyer, um, and so she got offered a job up in Caratha and so we're like screw it why not like let's go yeah. um and then it was only a temporary contract so we, we we knew it would probably go longer but like there's no guarantee obviously so we're up there for a couple of weeks and when um the job in Albany came up and and honestly we're actually pissed that night like we'd, we'd been having great fun been drinking and, and all that sort of <laughs> stuff um and the job popped up and um like and she, she was like oh but you know i've only been here for like four weeks or something and i was like if it was any other time you would have jumped at the job like you would have applied for it yeah. straight away and she's like yeah okay all right so like literally you know drunk she sent off the the application um and sent everything because she'd already just done a, a job application recently so it was pretty easy and then yeah. I think by 10 a.m. the next morning she had the job. <laughs> wow. Yeah. So then, then, then it was a big pack up, and uh, we basically moved. So you've been there for four weeks. <laughs> yeah. We, we, yeah. So she, I ended up only being there for a total of six weeks, and she was there for a total of uh, eight. Uh, I think it was a seven or eight weeks. Yeah. She was supposed to be there longer, but then um, I got cancer and all that sort of fun stuff. So yeah, um, that's right. That kind of, yeah, changed everything. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well. Oh, yeah. So that was, wasn't uh, really. 2021 i think COVID, the year of covid so yeah 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 and so then you made you obviously well dude albany caratha like to me it's a no-brainer yeah well, choice. yeah yeah well because we, we always knew we wanted to be be down on the, the south coast somewhere so it was just yeah yes jumped at the chance yeah my dream so yeah okay so you found a place down there obviously and uh you guys have settled in nicely i see yeah yeah so we um we we're in rental for for a while and then we uh, bought the farm what COVID was 2020 so we bought the farm a year later April 2021 um, and then it was just a bare block and then we we yeah built the house uh, based, as soon as we, we could and got all of our approvals so we actually from it being a bare block to us moving in we moved in November 2021 um, no, which was pretty good then Oh, we didn't have front doors or back doors. Like there was <laughs> nothing was painted. There was no yeah, kitchen. There still. was bathrooms, but like we were, we were camping in the house because we were paying we were paying rent and mortgage at the same time. So we just yeah. we just didn't like we were like no nah, we we cannot we are and they they wouldn't give us a month longer in the rental. They wanted six months. 
And we're like, we just like, I don't want to pay anything for a rental that we're not going to need or have to break lease or all that sort of stuff. So we just, we moved in when we weren't ready. <laughs> yeah. No, no, well, I work in construction on and off. I'm kind of retired these days, semi-retired anyway. I just sort of like just do stuff when the phone rings. I don't chase anything. But yeah. um, i got one builder, really two builders that I do a bit of stuff for and they're guys I've known since high school kind of thing. But, yeah, anyway, it's, man, since 2020, it's been fucking crazy. Yeah. Like, man, two, three years minimum average just for a build, you know. Yeah. And then the price of everything, like whatever you thought it was at the start, put 30 50%, double it, you know. It's been – the last couple of years has been – yeah, I've seen some wild shit, man. I've been through two or three booms already, <laughs> just in yeah. my time. But this, the last few years, it's just been, yeah, fucking. Yeah, crazy. well, it made it. It made it pretty hard. Like, thankfully, we we bought a kit house basically, so the the frames all come pre done and flat pack and everything. Yeah. And and yeah. I'm a plumber yeah, by trade. Yeah, so we um, yeah. but even my plumbing stuff, like it was, I quoted the job for our house in January. And by the time we'd basically finished and moved in in November, it cost me thirty eight percent more on materials. Yeah, yeah, like it was crazy. just wild. Like it, it was, it, like thankfully we we paid for the kit house straight up because I think if we'd paid as it went, we would have got stung on the the oh, price mate. of steel oh, and everything. Yeah, else. You did the right thing, yeah. yeah. And uh, so, how many acres have you, have you actually got there? Uh, I call it forty acres, but it's thirty eight yeah. and a half. Yeah, yeah, okay. Oh, that's good size, man. That's really nice size, and like. I just honestly half the time I have to laugh because like man you're living out I'm living my life vicariously through you it's <laughs> like all the things that I want to do like you do and normally yeah. just do it like a bit before me because I was like I wanted to get into breeding dogs as well kelpies that was something I always wanted to do so but you did it before me and then the truffle <laughs> trees I've been saying to my mates for ages dude if you got any kind of land and you're down south, you should be planting truffles. Fucking trust me, right? Then, well, yeah, yeah. I, I did that for because I've been in the truffle industry for five plus years, six years, something like that. Yeah, so like yeah, as okay. a dog handler, um, yeah, yeah, and that was I, just I'm super interested in that because I'm a full on foodie as well, you know. Yeah, well, it's it's like there's you know there's like four jobs you can work with your dog basically, um, and just from kind of I basically got my gun license and got a hunting dog at the same time back in the day and, and that was um that's always my joke is kind of my first dog who I've still got Trixie who's, who's you know 12 now um she kind of yeah. taught me more than I I taught her um mm -hmm. and and so like it was just always a if I was going hunting the dog came with me like it was always you know like half of the fun was was watching her work yeah um and so when I met one of I got good mates with a mate of my will and um he was in the industry already and they were looking for more dog handlers. Um, and he, he, we obviously hunted together and he's got good dogs and he saw my dogs and he was like, if you want to do this, like I can help you get into it. And so I oh, jumped cool. at the chance to, to become a dog handler and that. And, um, yeah, I yeah, love it. So it's basically that's how make you, part, part, you make part of your living now. Yeah. Oh, it's, it, <laughs> I wouldn't call it part of my living. It's, it, it's pocket money, but it, um, oh, it's well, really it will be. Money. And look, I mean more like the truffle trees, like, yes, you know, I like what you're setting up. You're thinking of the future. Yeah, yeah. So we've put in uh, eighty trees now for an iron block, which is not—it's it, nothing at really. But we've we've got another three hundred and twenty turning up this year. Yeah, um, and we'll be putting in two hundred a year. Is kind of our plan. And, and how long before you can get truffles off those? Uh, you'll probably pull one or two truffles. I'm hoping before they're seven or eight years old. Um, yeah, you're not okay. really getting a commercial return until they're about year ten to twelve. Um, yeah. 
Yeah, and then, then that's not bad, of... but still. And look, man, let me tell you something from a, an old. I'm an old bloke, right? Time passes quickly. Yeah, like I, knew, and... <clears throat> I knew people right who started uh, olive groves, and they said the same thing to me. Oh, it takes seven to ten years, mate. They've had those trees in the ground for thirty five years now. Yeah, and and that's the thing is is and... I don't want to be doing my my plumbing forever. It's um that's not my main goal, and and also the the forty acres is a it's. A bit of a weird size. Anyone who's kind of got you know mucked around with land, it's not small enough that it's easy to take care of, but it's not big enough. I can throw some cows or sheep on it and not have to stress too much. Yeah, so it's, yeah. It's big enough that like there's a lot of work to do, but um, it, it's like but not big enough to just easily make some money. So oh. we're, we're, I'm sure some better farmers out there. I've no doubt just calling me an idiot right now, but like I, as someone who's not a farmer and doesn't know jack shit, like it's being. Yeah. <laughs> have you ever thought about produce? Yeah, so we are we're going to do some garlic this year as well. We're putting in uh, probably an acre of garlic. Yeah. Um, Dude, we that's, what just, I, that's what I do. Yeah, well, yeah, we we um we only just bought a tractor as well, so that was the other thing because the the block we bought was a one of the original settlements of the area, so it, like had an old house. Oh, wow. um, but it also means that they cleared the stumps, but they never burnt them off or leveled oh, the paddock. Yeah. So like that was when we first bought like bought the place, we burnt a dozen stump piles of like. 200 year old jarrah stumps that were had just pushed up in a pile and like there's still another six or seven to burn this year if we get time um and then we've like we only bought a machine last year so we started leveling paddocks and yeah it, it's like fuck farming's hard work <laughs> That's <laughs> oh, all dude, like- i'm, I'm yeah. kind of small scale what you would call permaculture but yeah so i grow mainly seedlings but produce as well and i sell them at the local calamunda farmers markets oh nice um and man i used to be a tradie so basically you know you get to like middle age and you have this epiphany and you do and you think like and look uh i won't go into all that but what happened for me well when you got cancer i had a heart attack Oh God. Um, yeah, and fun. it was a similar kind of thing man where like i tell people right now like I wish everyone could have a near-death experience, right? Because you will fucking sort your shit out pretty quick. And that's what I found with me. You know, it really was like, you know, do you really want to be painting houses for the rest of your life? And then, you know, my son was sort of moving into primary school. We wanted to be back up in the hills because I'm from like, you know, the Kalamunda or Bickley Valley behind Kalamunda. Yep, yep. Uh, This is where I went to school. I went to school in the valley and I'm, you know, I went down the Bronx basically South Perth for the boom and look, I did all right. I made a lot of money and I'm not rich or anything, but I was like, you know what, fuck painting. I, I want my days to look like what I want to look like. And then I started sort of looking into it and like markets, man. And like, I know there's a really good market in Albany. And here's yep. the thing a lot of people don't know about markets, man. Tax-free, legit. Yeah. Right. By law, you don't have to pay tax on any money that you earn from a farmer's market. And it's old laws that go right back to like when we were settled. Because when I first got into the markets here, I said to the manager, right, what do, you, what do I need, an ABN or whatever? And she goes, no, you don't need that. I was like, what? So she then she just told me that. And she goes, no, it's basically all cash money. You don't have to declare it on your tax. You need public liability insurance, which cost me like 160 bucks a year. And you yep. need like a business name, but you don't need an ABN. And I was like, go back to the tax-free bit. <laughs> and then when she explained, I was like, th- and then I started thinking, right, you know, I'll just, I'll start doing that. So what I do is I go produce. So that's the other thing is, man, within sort of probably 5Ks drive of where I am, right, there's like 20 wineries and cafes and restaurants and stuff that all serve food so some of them buy their produce off me as well 
and then That's I work awesome. four hours on a Sunday, and then you know the rest of my week. It depends on the time of year. Like it takes a bit of yeah. time, you know. But yeah, here's the thing about produce, man. If you start doing seed right, like you know, I've, I've grow heirloom beetroots, which I sell. I probably sell anything between like say we do bunches of five, and I'll sell anything between twenty five and sort of thirty of those every week, and that's just the corner of my table kind of thing that's just one thing we mainly yep. do seedlings and man i haven't bought beetroot seeds for, for like six years <laughs> that's a win you just, yeah. you just let one go to seed you collect the seed there's like 1500 beetroots man yeah well like what we i like beetroots. about it sorry to cut you off what i like yeah. about it as a um business idea man it's very little money down and once yeah. you get into the whole like seed saving thing which i know you'd be down for because really yeah, that's yeah. what you do with hunting yeah. and all the it's all it's all self-sufficient it's all substance and like yeah i started realizing and like man you know i bought some tommy toes like i've been in the market six years right i sell tens of thousands of those things every year and i don't buy seed yeah that's a win yeah well we've like we, we've so this was kind of everything's kind of taken longer than what you know oh, it always, always does time it always in, yeah like it's easy to burn through a lot of time so like basically our big thing last year was we got our personal veggie patch up and going so we got about yeah yeah about 200 or 300 square meters that's our personal veggie patch and we built a greenhouse as well um that you might have seen on the stories yeah, and stuff. Yeah, saw all that. Yeah, yeah. So that that was kind of our first first kind of steps. And so, we're, in my my head, what I'd really like to do is set up. Um, we've got about six acres in front of the house, and I want to. Oh, sorry, three and a half acres. I'm, I'm getting confused here. So oh, three and a half gosh. acres, and I'd like to basically divide that into one paddock lots with a, a laneway, and then I want to do rotational grazing with kind of like some um, heritage breed pigs. And then kind oh, of because, yeah. yeah, so what I, in my brain, what I'm thinking is it, it's That's probably go like everything else I do, but um, <laughs> kind of you could pressurize the pigs into a paddock where they'll get rid of all of the kikes. You don't have to spray. Yeah. Yeah. And then we could then plant something in there, get a crop out of it and then rotate yeah. to the next paddock. Um, well, I plant, man, you can buy these real cheap, what they call green manure crops. And I put them in the ground before I put my chooks on there. Yep. And it's all it grows all that kind of stuff, and it's all feed. You could use that for pigs as well. The other thing is going back. One thing I wanted to say to you, dude, dude, it's a ten year plan. Like, oh yeah, don't beat yourself yeah. up over there because like that's one thing I find. I've like, you know, I've got twenty or thirty families kind of under my wing that I train, so to speak, and I'm getting everyone to be self sufficient, grow on their own, grow heirlooms. And one of the first thing I tell them, right, the first thing I say to them is, it's an imperfect science, right. 20% of everything you grow is going to be a fuck up. It's just going to die, right? That's always it. The other thing is it's a 10-year plan, right? And even if you, and, and I'm talking about just turning your backyard into like a good – because it takes that long to learn and it takes that long to learn the seasons and, and all that. So, yeah, you got like uh, – man, you've got a lot of potential down there. You're in a good area like yeah. where the soil is like – you don't. the good thing there is you don't have to bring in good soil. Your no, soil we are – that was one of the reasons we bought um, – because basically, we were very much centered around the truffles. Because I, I knew, I know that in a, in a sense, like I, I don't know that. No one really knows that much about truffles. It's one of the first things I've taught. Is like you know, on a good day, the best person knows like twenty to thirty percent. But yeah. I knew, I knew enough, and and that was one of the first things we did. Is like we walked around and we dug holes, and the dirt on this place is just spectacular. It's yeah. like this, it's place oh, wow. basically black sandy soil throughout yeah. most of the block. 
Uh, it's full of you know nitrogen and, and everything you kind of want in soil. So yeah. that I've was seen one of pictures of it. I just looking at it, I was like, oh man. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's awesome soil. It's been a rough summer this year because normally we get some pretty decent um, summer rains. Yeah, and like I, I put in, here. I put in five hundred square meters of um, pumpkins this year because I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, you know, oh. just just something to to like. I, I just want something to bring a paycheck back. Like instead yeah, of me yeah. putting my entire paycheck in. And oh, fuck dude, with it. We gotta, we <laughs> I got heaps of seed, man. Yeah, you give me an address, I'll send you like a bunch of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. You know well, what you were saying before about garlic? One of the main things, one of my best money earners is garlic. And what I do is so I buy seeded, I buy proper certified organic garlic from a dude in Northcliffe who's like a garlic freak. I'm actually gonna have him on here. Um, I think I know the place you're talking about. <laughs> Barara. Yeah, yeah, we um we look at getting some of the I want to get some of their rojo garlic as well because we've Dude, got yeah we the best shit and like don't worry right I failed like probably I was probably five years in before I found those guys and like I had a bit of taste of success early so I sort of thought I knew what I was doing and then like yeah it went downhill so <laughs> then I was like because my theory too right is I've always like I just like I'm a you know, when I break things down, I'm a bit OCD. I'm like you. I got to find the best way to do everything. And I was like, rightio, I'm not fucking around. Where's the best garlic in the state? And once yeah. I started, and like, man, 99% of his stuff comes up. The other thing is, I can tell you right, just from a business point of view, like the markup is really good, man. So, yeah. of all the produce that I grow, it's the number one thing I make the most money off. And about, so I can tell you roughly for about. So about about every two hundred dollars I spend, and that includes the garlic and the food, like for the oh, throughout the season, about one hundred and fifty to two hundred dollars, you can turn that into about a thousand bucks. Yeah, that's very good returns for mate. Show me something with like seven eight hundred percent markup. Oh well, there's yeah, not much. Like, I'm, I'm yeah, we've got... and that's not pulling the piss right. Like, because people might be thinking, then you know, listeners might be thinking, oh, he's pulling the piss. So, premium certified organic garlic, right? At markets, um, if you go online, there's an Australian website which shows you all the market prices at the moment, right? Yeah, 100, 100, 150 bucks a kilo, right? Gee. That's me selling it for fifty. Yeah, and I'm still turning right. two hundred into a thousand. If I was selling it for a hundred and hundred and fifty, mate, dude, like. But, you know, here's the thing, like, I'm kind of not really interested in money and, like, I have this thing, right, I tell people after my heart attack, right, like, I broke up with money. Like, I literally just realised, because trust me, dude, when you're lying there on that bed, right, and i got two stents in syndrome, right, so when you're lying there, right, you're not thinking about money. Yeah. <laughs> you don't no. think about mortgages. You don't think about bills. Trust me. And it's it was an incredible experience for me because where my thoughts were, I was just like, you know, I just realized like, oh, fuck money kind of thing. Like, you know, so now here's the thing, right? I still got to pay for hunting somehow, you know? So yeah. I tell people like, you, you still got to pay the bills, but yeah, don't, don't let it rule your decisions. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and so, and it's funny because like, it's almost now, man, so stupid. It's like... The, the the less I care about it, almost the more of it I have. It's stupid. Yeah. It's a weird thing, but yeah, well, it's yeah, like it's it's certainly money doesn't drive a lot of the decisions we do down here. Because if 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 we're just still going to make money, money. The mines. Yeah, no, I mean garlic is good because the other thing is, it it grows over winter when pretty much nothing else grows, and like other stuff does grow. And I do a lot of 
I do okay out of broccoli. So I do the broccoli Romanesco and like the old, yep. the old school heirloom ones. And I do okay out of them. But over winter, like not much as else, else is growing. And one thing I found about garlic too, man, it's like it's one thing in the markets, right, that people just don't mind spending money on. It's like yeah. if it's, it's like olive oil or truffles, man. It's like if yeah. it's good quality and it's local, people yeah. don't mind paying. Yeah, very much so. And, yeah, that, that was kind of we, – we very much need like – a lot of what our decisions are and what we're doing is stuff that we can do that doesn't need five days a week work because yeah. we just don't like my wife's got a full low maintenance. Job. Yeah. yeah well, most got... of the time. And look, I can tell you, right. Cause people say to me, ah, oh, veggie garden, I don't have time. <laughs> Mate, honestly, you'd be shocked how much I don't work. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, like it's most of the stuff's pretty, pretty straightforward. Like we've, we've grown, I think we've, we've did, shit like we've maybe 50 60 kilos of uh tomatoes this year so far so we we spent the weekend wow. canning tomatoes like mad and then we yeah. still had we had more tomatoes than we had cans so we we ended up um concentrating it down and we made some tomato powder and also like like equivalent of like a stock cube but of tomatoes so like it'll yeah, just right. thrown in stuff so we've been doing a lot of stuff well, there like you that go, man you could take that to the markets and one thing i've learned about the markets man is that people love local stuff yeah yeah, you're not if wrong. If it's locally grown and you and that's like honestly half of my business that at the markets is based around the fact that everybody knows right that everything I that I grow everything I sell. Yeah, well, and that's very it. much like what we want to do is do just kind of like I, I want I'm, we're limiting what we're doing at the moment just purely on a, a time basis, yeah. and it's not so much even the the time basis, but because like the fences on our place are just absolutely shot. Like so yeah. we've. We had to fence the whole truffle paddock, um, <clears throat> and then I've been trying to fence the paddock that we want to put the garlic in. But I try; it's been so dry this summer that I can't dig the strainer posts in. Like yeah. it was like you got through oh, the top three hundred mil. That's beautiful yeah. soil, ten and then it's like concrete. Ten year plan. Ten year plan. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, like, don't don't ever beat yourself up because that's what I find a lot of my customers are like. They want everything done quickly. I'm like, man, the journey's kind of half the fun and like time passes quickly too like don't blink and you know don't, you, you'll be there so you don't beat yourself up over the oh yeah it, it's, time I, my, my wife is like she she always kind of sighs at me very loudly because I'm, I'm always like oh we're gonna do this 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 and then she's like can you just enjoy what we've done and i'm like yeah but if i enjoy what we've done i won't be kicking myself up the ass to get the next thing done yeah. um, but that's what that's what hunting's for eh yeah, very much so. Well, I, w- I went out this morning, so I can't complain. Yeah, I was going to say, how did you go this morning? You said you <laughs> not great. I saw a doe and a, a fawn, um, but it was it was yeah, very quiet, which was not great. Um, the but rut's coming I'll, up. Yeah, it's it, I'm I'm very excited for this year. To be honest, it's going to be a big year for me. Yeah, um, I was going to say I, I, I was going to just say you've got a few nice bucks kicking around there that you've been keeping an eye on. I reckon this is going to be a good year for you. I'm very much open, so I've already been a bit bummed out because I was I was following some very nice velvet bucks, and I was just waiting until the velvet got hard, um, and I made the decision that all right, so Australia Day weekend, I'm gonna hit them hard, like I'm gonna try and get one with the bow, and uh, it was like freaking clockwork. Three days before the Australia Day weekend, they disappeared. Pissed off. I was spewing because like I'd been watching the velvet like I was getting within 30 40 meters off them pretty regularly so I was feeling really confident like I was like this is gonna happen yeah I saw um, the photos and, man there was one really nice buck there yeah beautiful. I couldn't believe it and I, but I, I could just tell he was still soft because the tops well apparently I'm not I'm not an expert on these things but the tops yeah. of the antlers were still quite bulbous 
and they reckon that means they're still quite soft. And I'm, I've wanted a velvet buck for years. Yeah, what are your thoughts about all that? Because like some people don't just don't care, and other people are like, oh no, don't shoot them. Oh, like I try not to shoot anything that's got like potential. If that makes sense, so like I'll shoot a lot yeah. of spikes, um, yeah. mostly because the, the meat to work ratio is much higher than shooting a doe. Yeah. Um, like it, you, you, like except for that doe that I shot last year, that if people have jumped on YouTube and had a look, but th- that one was huge. That thing was absolutely that was like a size of a, a full grown um, buck. But generally, like you shoot a, a doe, and they're just not as big. So you put a lot of effort into butchering that. You yeah. kind of get more reward for shooting. <laughs> it's funny because um, I remember the first one. So I, I don't have any deer on bow yet. That's a mission. But um, yep. I've shot plenty with rifle. And the first doe I got, I remember that thinking like, oh, shit. Like once I dressed it down, I was like, man, it's not really that much meat. They're quite yeah. small. Yeah, exactly. So that that's kind of like my general reason of avoiding does. And, and the other thing is like, Half the time there's a fawn with them, so I won't shoot them at all at the moment if they've got if I can see a fawn with them. Whereas, like yeah. you know, if they, if they haven't got a follower, then yeah, okay, I'll knock one off. And I did knock one off the other week that didn't have a fawn. Um, but and then as for bucks, like I find I try to avoid that three year old mark. Like it's where the the, the fallow have got you know they've got yeah. thirty to forty centimeters of antler. They're not quite no, there. no points. That like that. My, my, if they can just make it another year or two, then they're really nice. Like just the chances of them getting shot by a roo shooter in the first two years is so high that I don't mind shooting spikes and, and 18-month-old boys, but I try and avoid that half-decent antlet size. Yeah. yeah um, that's a good – I think that's a good – I think I'd be the same. Yeah, we just yeah. – it, it makes it like – that's kind of where in my you head – might as well like, give it a chance. Exactly. And that's my theory is if I just leave that kind of age bracket alone, um, I, I – because they're, they're still dumb at that age, like if that yeah. makes sense. They, they just, yeah, they are, and they really haven't clued on. So, like, they make really dumb mistakes. Like, the amount of times that kind of age bracketed deer, they're just starting to really wisen up, and you're like, man, you just you're being dumb. You like you're gonna get shot. Like, so that's I try and avoid that age bracket. And they, but once they start getting to like the four or five year old mark, like then like they start to get some nice palmation, and then I start. I'll, I'll try and put the herd on them. But my general rule is like excluding the bow, like with the bow, I'll just kind of whatever turns up. It's, it's awesome. But um, with the rifle, I try not to shoot anything that is smaller than what I've already shot. If that makes yeah, sense. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That um, makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Like I, I passed up a really nice buck last year for that doe um, because he, he was just basically the same as the buck I already had. And I was like, I'd rather get yeah. someone else onto him. Like one of the mates that, you know, I, I always go out with or something like that. I, yeah. I get more enjoyment out of that. Um, yeah, okay. That's interesting. Yeah. yeah. So when you going back before, uh, you said, oh, they just pissed off. Where do you reckon they go? <laughs> Great question. If I knew that, they, they, <laughs> well, I, if I knew that, they'd be in the freezer. <laughs> what do you think about this? Because like, well, they've obviously got a certain kind of a range and I'd say possibly that range goes outside your property, yeah. you know, range sort of thing. But I have noticed... There's a couple of guys around, I don't think guys that post much, right? But obviously, like I know a few farmers as well, and a lot of those guys are spotting them with drones. Have you thought about that, using a drone to sort of suss them out a bit more? Uh, it, I have thought about it, but like I, like a lot of the places that I go and I hunt, um, 
I, I one of the things I like is not knowing what's around the corner. Yeah. If that makes sense, like it, that's yeah. one of the huge things for me. Like, like I've if I, doing one of my donkey hunts or something, like yeah, sure, because you're hunting like half a million acres. But a lot of the properties that I, I go out and deer hunt are like some of them are fifty acres, some of them are yeah. eight hundred acres. Like it just depends on where I'm going. And I really like that. You know, I don't know what's around the corner, whereas I I I don't want to I don't want to take that surprise away from me. If that makes sense. Interesting, uh, no, man. I get it, hundred percent. So, because like I'm a I'm a bit of a weird cat, right? But I'm um one of my other hobbies is I'm a gamer as well, right? Yeah. Just lifelong gamer, always been one of my side things. So I play Hunter Call of the Wild, obviously, because I'm city bound too, and yep. that's the frustrating thing for me. Like I got so many hunting goals I got to tick yet, but being in the city, it's hard, you know. And last few years, I did have a crack like at deer, and I kind of realised like, dude, unless you live down there. I've kind of not really given up, but like, and look, I could go get one on a rifle, but I'm these days I've gone back to bow hunting, um, which is, which is another sort of thing, but yeah, no, exactly what you mean. And so on Hunter, right. There's a lot of stuff you can go. There's all different maps all around the world. You can pretty much go whatever you want to do. Right. But the number one favorite thing I like to do, right. I call it, I tell my missus, oh, I'm going for a walk <laughs> and yeah. just whatever happens, happens. And it's, I really like that random, like, of not knowing and I just I don't plan anything. I just I just go for a walk on there and I'll just go to Canada and I'll just walk around in the Yukon or whatever and I'll just see what happens. So yeah, yeah I, I get exactly what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah, well like it's um I only gotta go an hour and twenty to an hour and well, probably closest property is an hour and twenty from here, but realistically more like two hours from here. I'm in some pretty decent deer country that I can go chase stuff in. So yeah, it's like and because of my work I, I do I, you know i often range further than that for work um yeah, so it, it's not uncommon for me to drive past deer hunting properties when i'm going to work so like i'll yeah, often yeah. that's that's how i end up getting a lot of my hunting in um yeah. is you know I, I can go oh, okay well i got some work like today i went two hours from house like but I, I went um and it was on the way to a job so i kind of made it all work out for me um and, yeah, and yeah, like yeah. that's why like yeah, I managed to, to kind of put a fair few animals on the ground. Um, yeah. But I remember when I was in, in Perth, like we were doing three and a half hours often to chase pigs. Oh, um, yeah. And we would like in the summer, we'd be getting up at one in the morning to, to drive, to get there <laughs> on first light. And yeah. you're, you're, you're only hunting for two hours. Yeah. <laughs> and then you're back in the car and you're driving three and a half hours home. Oh man, when I was young, I was a sicko. Like I drove to Carnarvon for the weekend when I was an apprentice and shit like that, you know, but yeah. Um, actually, so one other thing I wanted to ask you about was um, with talking about the OC, you just got a um, you got a tag for uh, Snake Island hog deer, yep. right? Yeah, yeah. Wow. So I've been applying for that basically since I got my gun license. So yeah, I was going to um, say, dude. Yeah, um, for people that don't understand, listeners, these things are like hen's teeth, right? So in yeah. Snake Island's a little islands off the sort of southern coast, are you Victoria? Yep. I yeah, yeah, southeast of Victoria, and, yeah. and it's like, yeah, so it's an island for those who don't know. And there's uh, hog deer, and the government do tags. How many do they actually do every year? So I think, including emergencies between Snake Island and um, Bon Bay, I think it's like eighty something. I, I think I heard. I might that might be wrong, but I, I think that was roughly yeah. the number. Well, I tried uh, to find out, but I couldn't really find out. But yeah, I always, I I always thought roughly around fifty or sixty. But yeah, that yeah, was it, kinda... 
it might be. I think it does change year to year depending on how many uh, um, yeah. bits they run and stuff. But yeah, I've been applying forever. And last year I was an emergency as well, which is kind of the funny part. Oh, um, wow. Yeah, so I was when... emergency number 13 last year and then I was emergency number 12 this year and I got the call up. So. Oh, wow. yeah. yeah, cool. So when, when does tell us a bit about that and uh, when you go over for that all that, yeah. Yeah, so I'm in um, May 10th or 12th, I think. I've booked my flights. But yeah, so in May, um, and then I, I'm flying over on a Friday um, just so I can kind of get everything organized because I'm going to have to do a fair bit of shopping over there for food and for everything else because um, yeah. there's no amenities on the island. Like that's been one of the, thankfully, like one of the nice things about having the Aussie Outdoors with Paige is that one of the guys hit me up and was like, look, mate, I live not far from there and I've got a tinny I can get you over there. I was like, sweet, that oh, saves nice. my life because – like yeah. trying to find a way to get onto the island is half yeah. the drama. Yeah. Um. And then yeah, so I've I've heading over on Friday. Hopefully, organize all my stuff on the Saturday. Um. So I'll have to do some shopping and and probably have to buy a few things over there. Um. Just so yeah. I, have to fly I always give myself one day, a whole day for all that stuff. If I've yeah, because I've done hundreds of trips, mainly fishing, but a lot of stuff all over East Coast, Tassie, New Zealand. I always give myself a day. Yeah. Yeah, and, and we did the same thing when we went to um, – because I've, I've been to New Zealand hunting as well. It just gives you a chance to kind of get settled and get sorted and take yeah. a little bit of stress away. And then um, yeah. on Sunday, Sunday we, we do a, a briefing in the morning and then from 12 we're allowed to get onto the island, um, but we're not allowed to start hunting until the following day at 8 a.m. So oh, uh, And then, and then how long got, have you got? We've got till Friday midday um so it's it's just basically four and a half days really um wow. but it's apparently a lot of the guys pull out early um like they they, they kind of get off the island after a day or two and, and it think, fucking hits them <laughs> yeah well I, I i think a lot of people aren't kind of comfortable with being uncomfortable um yeah and they, it's one know, of those they, things they, they like the idea of it more than they like doing it yeah yeah and so like i, I think it's very much all the recommendations everyone I've chatted to basically says you just go sit a water hole, a water hole, uh, and you're just yeah. waiting, waiting over yeah. a clearing, and you're waiting there until something pops up. And and that's very much how we hunt donkeys. So I'm very much used to kind of sitting over one spot for three, four days. Um, yeah. That's not uncommon for me to do. So I'm hoping oh. that's going to put me in good stead. Um, Dude, but I'm sure I'll be, get over there. It's going to be so awesome. Yeah, yeah. It's so a full I'm, mission. Dude, you go on yeah. to Victoria to go to Snake yeah. Island. Yeah. I'm, I'm, so yeah, I've, I've kind of set my goal of on day one, I don't want to shoot anything with, so apparently. Yeah, so how many is, do you get just one? Yeah, you get one one stag tag and one hind tag. Um, oh. But my understanding is basically when you shoot something, you have to check it in within 24 hours. Um, okay, so yeah. then you have to get off the island and then then you can't really get, then you got to get back on the island if you want to try and get your hind or, or whatever as well. So Oh, I think man. basically it's once you shoot, you kind of, unless, you know, you get the opportunity to, to double up at once, it's going to be very difficult. Imagine if you see something like really good within like half an hour on the first day. <laughs> well, <laughs> that, be like, I, what do I do? Nah, I'll be plugging it, I think. Like, I think what I yeah, did is you I, gotta, I worked, you gotta. Yeah. if I see something on, um my in my brain, what I decided is if on day one, I see something where the antlers are, are smaller than the face, um, because apparently that's not like that's a, a youngish stag. I'm not going to shoot it. Yeah. Um, anything after that, I'm just going to go for it. Like I'm not oh. even going to, you know, because it's just it's it's an absolute mission to get over there, get this sorted, Mate, like everything honestly, else. Honestly, so. 
Oh, yeah. It's trip of lifetime, man. I'm frothing it, and I'm not even going. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm stoked. I'm, I'm like been trying to sort out all my camera gear and trying to sort out all my gear because the other thing is like I, I don't do a lot of backpack hunting. Like ninety percent of the time, is Mate. it's like a two hour stalk. If that, if you know, so like I, I yeah. throw a rifle on, I have a big drink before I go, and I've got a knife in my pocket, and if I shoot something, I, I generally just throw it on my back and, and carry it out. So it'll yeah. be a different, different experience. Mate, well, let me tell you. It's gonna be. I reckon I'm gonna call it and say it'll be. It'll be one of the best trips you'll ever have in your life, because yep. I've found you know from all my years' experience in the bush and isolation. So I love. You know when you said like oh, a lot of people tap out in the first few hours. I love that stuff, right? And I'm the dude, right? Who if I had that tag, right? I would walk to the furthest fucking waterhole, the hardest one to get to. That's right over the other side of the island. Because I know that's the one that's probably actually going to have the best deer, right? Because i got a saying with fishing even, right? Furthest away from people doesn't necessarily always mean better fishing, but most of the time it does. Yeah, and like, 100%. you know, I built a whole career, you know, uh, writing for magazines based around catching big brim, really. And all that came down to the fact, man, was I just went more further out than what other people were prepared oh, to yeah. do, you know? And, and that experience of, like, getting away of like just relying on yourself out in the bush for four days, man, you're going to be, the immersion is just like balls deep. Like you just can't. And I found like, it's actually a weird thing, right? Because often when I used to do a lot of these trips and, you know, I've done a few like 21 day trips and stuff like this. And, you know, uh, I actually found I used to get not depressed, but a little bit kind of like when I got back, because I found it was hard to find, the same kind of feeling anywhere else in life you know what i mean yeah and you just you just want it again and it's oh yeah it's going to be so good and you obviously you're going to film it all and all the rest of it yeah that's the plan i'm i've i'm hoping that it all goes smoothly um so yeah i've I've got all my camera gear sorted hopefully and and taking all i'm I'm currently sorting out external batteries and all that sort of stuff because it's I think I'm going to run out of power. It's going to be my biggest problem is taking enough extra power over there uh, or solar or something because everything I take, I've got to basically I'm getting dropped off at a beach and then I've got to drag it in. Um, It's going to be so good. I reckon this will be probably the most views, although – one couple of your videos have got like 60k views, so that might be hard. To oh, but yeah. it'll be people just it. love this yeah. stuff, right? Because you know, I watch a lot of the YouTube, I follow a lot of YouTubers, and you know, I take uh, you know, note of what works and what doesn't, and all that kind of stuff. And this is the kind of stuff, like you know, you know, isolated camping on an island, like for four days relying on the stuff that's the stuff that gets the big numbers, you know. People yeah. just love it because all the city slickers, man, they're like I said, they're vicariously living their life through, you. <laughs> yeah. Well, I've, I've based kind of my life, my work schedule around it, so I'm, I'm very excited for it. It's going to be, it was already planning up being a big year because I've been asked, uh, a mate of mine's offered um, me to go chase red deer. So oh, I'm, yeah, I'm nice. getting to go chase red deer, and then another mate of mine um, said, "Let's go chase some rooster as well." Um, so it, it's it might be the year of, of three new species. So I'm pretty excited for that. Well, actually, um, I kind of want to ask you about that, but actually, just can I give you a little bit of yeah, advice, yeah. just from someone who has done a lot of like my record in the bush is 90 days, so that's 90 days <laughs> without people, right? And I've done heaps of 50s, 60s, right? And not to sound like a wanker, just so you know, I know what I'm talking about, right? Now, the only the biggest tip I'll give you, right, is whatever you think you need, you don't need it. Oh, yeah. And 
and I'll tell you a quick story. So when I was younger, I met this guy who was a professional hiking guide. And I actually met him through fishing. I was in Tassie and he was a fishing guide. And it's like in his other season, he goes to New Zealand, he takes people hiking, right? And I was like, oh, fuck, I'll pick this guy's brain, you know. This is an opportunity to learn something. So I was like, started asking him, you know, and he said, look, the first thing I do, right, when people get there, he goes, we give them a list of shit don't bring, right? But he goes, people bring it anyway. So the first thing we do is we tip their backpacks out. He goes, we literally just tip them all out, right? And then he goes, now explain to them, right, that that like can of beans is like i'll just make numbers up right but he's like he'd say you know to carry that can for three days you're going to burn like 1500 calories right there's only 500 calories in that can yeah right so he was like he's a real minimalist and like when i started out because i do a little bit of what they call bike packing so that's like you know yeah mountain biking in the bush because a few of my fishing spots that's the only way to get to them is by mountain bike and i'll go mostly these days it's two or three day trips kind of thing but it's yeah. funny right when you start off on that journey right you start off with all the gear you got shitloads <laughs> of gear and i used to be like my pack load used to be like 25 kilos right now i'm down to like seven kilos and it's yeah. literally just you just really got to harshly look at stuff and look there's only really one way to kind of find out and that is like go do it because it'll soon yeah. you'll soon figure out what you're doing. But just if you approach it with that minimalist attitude, right, and literally if it's three or four days, because when I was talking food, right, I said to the, you know, this guy that used to do it hiking for, you know, for a living, I say to him, right, so what about food? Right? And he goes, there's only, he goes, I can tell you, right, that the richest calories, like the best food that you can eat, like when you're away like that, if you just want like, this is like uh, calories per gram of weight. So yeah. what's per weight? What's the best things? He goes, I'll save you the time, right? He goes, Mars bars, Snickers, <laughs> beef jerky, and sesame snaps. Yeah. Those little sesame snaps. He goes, that's all you need. And like, that's a lie, but it's true because obviously they would take meals and stuff. But yeah, so when I go away, I generally take a lot of jerky and yeah, Mars bars and all that for your sugar. And then I literally just catch whatever I need. Cause obviously, um, you know, you're going to be slightly different approach, but yeah, if you follow that advice, I reckon just, and just go minimalist, like everything and every kilo really does count. Like it makes uh, yeah, a fucking um, huge difference. The hard thing is you, you have to get your own water on the Island. There's no real good water sources. That are really drinkable. Yeah. So my my current plan is to basically just get a whole bunch of water off the boat and into a a spot like maybe a K off the beach or something. Yeah. um, Halfway to camp and then Yeah, and then that'll kind of be just a a waypoint or a stash and then I'll set my camp up probably a K or two from where I want to hunt. Um and then just kind of do it like that. it's yeah, like uh, the the hardest part is just getting the camera weight down. To be honest, because um, yeah. you got camera, you got lenses, you got the GoPro, you got um, batteries for all of that, and you need the extra batteries because everything you fucking choose through batteries. And then you've got I've got a tripod for if I'm on the ground, and then I've got a flexi tripod for if I'm in a tree. And you, <laughs> you know, yeah, like yeah, that's the where the weight is. Yeah, that that it's been. Uh, I thought I was good at hunting until I started filming hunts. And then I realized, oh, I'm freaking terrible at this because it is so much harder. Like I like you watch guys like Remy Warren on Solo Hunter, like actually film and stuff, and and oh yeah, you get a next heart. level appreciation of how he manages to film like a lot of the shots and like 100%. all that stuff. It, it's the amount of animals and good animals I've lost 
resetting up the camera or setting up the camera is a freaking nightmare. So yeah, I think well, sometimes like on trips like this, right, what I do, I've done in the day. So, you know, a few years ago I went to Darwin and I went to Arnhem yeah. Land. So, man, nice. I, t- I took a cameraman. And look, yep. you know, it, it, it might have cost me uh, maybe about a grand. That was it. I can't remember. But, you know, it was a guy I knew, so he did it like cheap. But like yep. for certain trips, and I'm not saying it for this trip, but in the future, it's worth thinking about. Because like oh, if, well, if you get some dude that's like in uni, right, it's not as expensive as you think. Well, yeah, I, I kind of do have a cameraman. I joke like um, so the mate of mine, Brady, who does all the editing of the videos and stuff, he's, he's the best hunting partner you could honestly ever want because – he, he really doesn't care about pulling the trigger. He just wants a good time and a, and perfect. a meet. Yeah. So, like, you know, you know, we went to New Zealand chasing tar, and he was just having a great time coming with us and, and just, you know, we went up mountains and got a tar, and he's just, he's, he's just all about the experience. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I, like nine times out of ten, yeah, he, he's coming along with me and stuff. But, um, yeah, this is a bit of a, spe- a different trip, which is going to be a bit of a struggle. So um, I'm looking forward to it. And what sort of setup have you got, like, for uh, sleeping? Have you got, obviously, like, blow-up mattress, small tent? Uh, I've got a bivy that I've had freaking forever, and I've got a couple of fly tarps that I'll probably set up as well. Oh, um, yeah. And then, yeah, I'm looking at cheap inflatable mattresses now because um, I'm, I'm trying, like, I'm trying not to spend a lot of money because so far this trip's really not costing me a lot because I've thankfully got a shitload of um, frequent flyer points. Yeah. So, like at the moment, like the most expensive part of this trip is looking like the uh, the high car for you know six days, which I'm only going to use twice. Um, yeah. But yeah, so like I'm I'm trying not to go out and and go ridiculous on all well, the I've year. Got a pretty, but yeah, pretty good setup, and it was pretty cheap. So I've just got like a inflatable. Yeah, it's like a Cedar Summit. Um, the the biggest tip there is just get the best insulated one you can. Um, and then I've got like this thing called Aussie Dome, right? And it's like a pop-up tent, mate. It, I, look, there's you can go down the tent like rabbit hole, right? And they're hundreds oh, of dollars. Yeah. I found this thing, right? It's a Coleman Aussie Dome or Mozzie Dome, I think it's called or something. Yeah. And it like all I was doing is looking for weights. I was just going through finding ones that, and it weighs like I think it's like one point seven kilos, and it was bad. like it was fifty five bucks. That's that's cheap, actually. Online, yeah, and dude, that's what I use for all my bike packing and stuff. And the other thing I like about it is you can actually take it with no pegs. So if I'm going ultralight, what I call ultralight camping, there's two poles, and that's it. Yeah, that's a that is a win because yeah, like I've I've got a a bivy that is currently my my just because I've got it. It's only maybe a bit over two kilos. That's a pretty good setup. Uh, the other thing is May like the weather's going to be. Not bad, it's although run. it's still yeah. Well, that, that that's that one's got a floor and got sides and stuff. Um, and yeah. then I've got I've got some fly tarps that I I basically got for donkey hunting because as just throwing meat on. Yeah. Um, but they weigh bugger all, so I'll take those as well just to add some extra shelter because I think the weather or weather last year at the time I went was like twenty to twenty fives, but pretty much raining every day. Yeah. Um. So it's going to be a bit of a interesting mission, I think. And uh, so you're obviously going to take a rifle, yeah, or bow, yeah, or both. Yeah, or... yeah. I, I, once in a lifetime, I'm not going to risk it on the bow. Yeah. And so, what rifle? What will you take? Uh, I, I, because it's a minimum two, four, three for deer over there. Um, that kind of left me with the two seventy or the three hundred. And the I just the my wife as my engagement present got me this three hundred Win Mag, and it's a 
absolute tack driver. Um, do the job. Yeah, yeah it, it's lighter. It's you know, it, it's lighter than my two seventy as well. Um, so it, it's because it's carbon fiber stock and fluted barrel. Oh, and, yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah, it, it's a really, really nice gun. So that's going to be my, my my one I take. I think. Yeah, which well, is you look, know way overkill for a, a little hog deer, but um, yeah. Well, yes and no. Look, it'll do the job. Um, oh yeah, you might lose a little bit of meat, but that'll come down to shot placement. But well, at least yeah. you're not really taking any chances. No, no. Well, n- n- almost all the fallow I shoot nowadays is with a two-two-three. Um, yeah, okay. Have almost... you got a two-four-three or no? No, I don't. I got a. Uh, I got seventeen twenty-two couple shotguns, air rifle, forty-four mag, two-two-three, two-seventy-three hundred. Interesting. Um, okay, so it's yeah, kind of yeah. You kind of don't really need one. <laughs> Yeah, well, yeah, the two seventy kind of covers that, and then but the two two three, I've just found um, if you're comfortable with shot placement, uh, yeah. you can use lose absolutely no meat, pretty much, yeah. um, and it's yeah. perfect for like pigs and foxes, even smaller stuff. Yeah, I haven't. I've only shot one pig with it. Uh, it was ages ago. Um, I think if I my my main guns when I was chasing a lot of pigs was the forty four mag or the two seventy. Yeah, I was going to um, say anything big. Like, yeah, and that was yeah, exactly it. Like shooting a small pig was fine, but I, I some we used to see some pretty big sows and boars and stuff, and and I've had one shot with the two seventy run quite a bit, so I, I like that little bit of extra stopping power. Yeah, I've shot big ones with a twenty two two fifty even. Yeah, well, they're, they're pumping out some power, those 22 250s. Yeah, it's um, still a good projectile. Oh, yeah. I, I just, pigs are like, fallow are really thin skinned. Um, a lot of yeah, people don't true. realize that yeah. they really aren't like. They're fat too. Yeah, yeah. It's like, they're, they're thin skinned. The bones aren't that strong. Um, and if you know what you're doing and know where to put a shot, like, you you shouldn't be losing one with a 223. Um, yeah, so, yeah. like, a lot of. I push people to shoot in a certain spot and it's not encouraged by a lot of people, but it's um basically shooting back of lungs. Yeah. Um, a lot of see. people stick it on that front shoulder um, yeah. and it just makes me cringe because you lose like a whole shoulder of meat. And it, well, it's, you the know, thing and is, I, I did that once and um, I got like a real bad bone deflection. And yeah. Yeah. You'll only ever do that once. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and that that's, I just if if you're comfortable with it, it's like a giant if. A lot of people aren't, and and that's their journey. But like, just because I've shot a lot of deer now, um, yeah. that back of lung shot, like you go if you can line it up properly, you're going through maybe two rib bones. You smash out both lungs. It will yeah. run generally like five, ten, maybe fifty meters. Yeah, um, but it, it's a lethal shot, and you lose two or three ribs worth of meat you don't lose the shoulders you don't yeah, lose the you don't lose any anything major um yeah, that's, that's always tough. where i've aimed i've always sort of just gone shoulder and then back a bit yeah and 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 you if again if you're comfortable doing it it's such a nice shot like if you if i'm really close like i'm not against a neck or a head shot but um once i start pushing out like past 100 meters and i i just i i like my little bit of error yeah. as well leeway yeah. Yeah, I'm the same because people you very rarely get a front on shot. Oh yeah, it's I'm not taking that with a a two two three or I'll no. neck shoot him if they're close on a frontal, but not chest shooting them close with that. Yeah, same. 
Hey, so when you said before we got a few other trips coming up, one thing I did actually sort of want to ask you, I got in my notes here, I wanted to ask you what um, what is your, have you got any sort of like dream fishing trips? Is there anything like that you're like, you know, it's on the uh, it's on the bucket list, I've, I've got to tick that off yet? What would sort of be your, your dream trips coming up? And then I, I know, I don't know if that includes some of those ones that you might have mentioned. Uh, well, fishing wise, like I'm... I'd like to go um, spear fishing some some dollies and like um, dolphin fish and stuff. Oh yeah. Um, I, I'd I'd be pretty keen to go chase some tuna as well. Shark bait. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, like I do a lot I, of fishing, right? I don't get in the water. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I've gotten more and more into getting in the water just on a, a time basis, if that makes sense. Like yeah, a lot yeah. of my free time is, is one hour, two hour segments, yeah. and. Um, I know I can get in the water and I can shoot, you know, just some reef fish and, and yeah, have something. Yeah, you can get a feed. Exactly. And so, like, a lot of that is what that's been. So I would love to do some of that sort of stuff. Um, but it's it, in my head, it's hard to to justify doing a big trip for not a lot of meat, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, like at, at the moment, I'm, in my the brain, moment. like, the amount of time I can take off, I'm like, I could take that same amount of time off and go shoot a donkey, and I know I've got months worth of meat. Yes. Yeah. So like, I would up. love to go do when I've got more time and probably more money is do some of those trips. Um, and yeah, so yeah. spear fishing, okay, for tuna yeah. and dollies. Yeah. What else? Yeah, I'm just enjoying being in the water as well. Like it's just I don't know. It's, it's fun. It shuts my brain off a bit as someone who's kind of always running a bit too fast. <laughs> yeah. 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 And what about hunting wise? Any bucket list things there? I want to go back to New Zealand real bad um like uh, we went across once i got a tar really chased chamois didn't see any um i'd really like to go back over and get a chamois like one day i'd love to go black bear hunting in uh in america uh, or or british columbia or something but yeah just for for money wise it'll be new zealand next again i think just because yeah like a lot of the even the australian trips like you're paying yeah so much money for guides or for access and and yeah. Um, like if, if someone jumps up and wants to take me buff hunting, thanks very much. Awesome. But, um, yeah, I reckon it will probably be a, a New Zealand trip as the next kind of paid trip just cause yeah, I've got friends over there now. Um, and, and we've got access to good public land areas and I'm, yeah, I'm just place, back in those mountains. Yeah. It's pretty hard to be, I haven't been it's there it. for a fair while since like, like early two thousands, I think my last time there, yeah. but yeah, it was, yeah. It's, yeah, I, it just, I, I could live there. Sorry, I could. Oh, yeah, it, it's one of the few other countries that I I, I would be tempted to to yeah. live there if um and, under the right circumstances. <laughs> and what about um bucket list? Like if I said no, no, but like money's no object. You got one money's trip. No object. Anywhere in the world. Anywhere in the world. Um, I don't know. It's hard. Like, yeah, I, I if if money was no object, I would probably go do a um black bear hunter or something like that yeah which is not even that you already said bear, yeah yeah like it's just really not like a black bear hunt's not that expensive anyway but it like um i i just in my brain at the moment it, it, i just want to get back to new zealand if that make like it, it's like I, yeah. I do want to do all the australian species like that's pretty keen um i've got it in my head to go get a black donkey um oh, yeah. yeah because the, the places that i hunt like you get a couple color variations, but you don't get the blacks. And I really want, like, I've I've got it in my head to get all the color variations. Yeah. Okay. Um, and is that is that like melanistic or 
No, oh yeah, the, like if you if you have a look, you'll see some of the wild ones. They're they're pretty common in the Northern Territory um, and stuff. Like okay. I would probably go chase donkeys over go chase a buff, <laughs> um, yeah. but I'm a bit of an odd duck, so like it, that's in my head. No, uh, I get it, man. And like I don't know why. Like we just get these things in our head and this is why i ask people these questions because like you know i got certain things too and like i couldn't care less about the colors and then other things i want to get them all <laughs> yeah yeah well it, it's honestly if 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 someone said you've got money tomorrow to go to a trip i'm going to new zealand case and chamois yeah because um, right. we shot it i was really lucky with my new zealand trip i got a we got a tar on day one and then i spent oh, the yeah. following nine days chasing chamois and didn't see shit <laughs> yeah that's kind of what that place is like it's so big yeah. man it's just so yeah it's it's a it's just and it's it's you know it's just picturesque as well really oh, picturesque my first trip there one thing that really hit me was like the ground the amount of ground that i could cover in a day was like 20 percent of what i thought i'd be able to cover kind of thing yeah it yeah it was crazy. like we um we got a helicopter into the start of our spot into one of those huts yeah and that then helps. we parked up a mountain from there every day yeah um it was just, yeah, it's a beautiful country and it's the people there are just awesome as well. Like so helpful, so nice. Like everyone it's wants to It's just like know. Australia, really. It's like Australia if everyone wants Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, don't, yeah, we'll, we'll get to that. Yeah. <laughs> hey, um, one thing I did want to ask you, right? So as a fellow hunter, one thing yeah. I always like to ask him is um, what's, what do you reckon, what's the best meat you've tasted? Um, what's your favorite donkey. things? Yeah. Just donkey. Like donkey. if you said you could eat one meat for the rest of your life, it's going to be donkey. Yeah. yeah it, it, my wife prefers it's, donkey to venison. Yeah. <laughs> Look, because I've pretty much, I, I'm assuming you've pretty much tasted just about everything like me. And like, I, I, I have to agree with you. You know, the other thing is I'm going to throw something at you, right, which like people generally overlook. But because if a lot of people do ask me, I do, I generally say the best tasting probably, I say donkey right was like really good beef. Yeah, that's the way yeah. I describe it. And look, I like my deer too. I like my deer, but sometimes it can be a bit blah, you know, sort of thing. And I've never had elk. Actually, I should throw that in there because apparently that's very good. But do you know, you know the smoky, which I'll throw in there, right? Which like if it's done really well, it's hard to beat. Which people like we often overlook. You know what I'm going to yeah. say? Pork. Yeah. <laughs> Think oh, about man. like pork belly, man. Like done on yeah. a roast, and like because the other thing I'm really big on, right, is cooking over charcoal or wood yep like, and you know i couldn't tell you like you know we've got this running joke even my so my son's 16 you know he brings friends around every now and again i'll fire up the weber right and like it's like it's running joke we, we've lost count of how many people but you'd, you'd be surprised right like kids these days man they don't get to taste meat that's cooked over wood and like i've had every single one of these kids say holy fuck like that's the best <laughs> meat i've ever tasted and they're like what is it what is it and i say you know what it is it's just because however long humans have been alive right this is how they've always done their cooking over wood, yeah. over fire right this like stove shit right and in houses that's only new that's like less yeah. than one percent right that's why and they can't believe like the difference so yeah i and it's funny right like pork belly skewers like you know done over mm, i'm gonna give that a run with donkey <laughs> <laughs> well like it, it's I don't. I used to shoot a lot of pigs. Like I think my best year, I must have shot. I would have been, you know, high double digits, like almost triple digits in eighteen months. I reckon. Yeah, um, right. wow. And then, like, so I, we we lived off pork. Absolutely yeah. lived off it. Um, and then no, it's just it's what you know what we get access to. Like I, now, I've got to travel a lot further to find good pig ground. 
Um, uh, and yeah. yeah, so I don't do it as much because I just don't have as much time. So like we eat a lot of venison now. Like, like we, we pretty much never buy meat except maybe some chicken. If I find some feral chickens, they're in trouble. Um, yeah, but yeah. so yeah, almost everything we eat, we've shot. Um, so like it, it's, yeah, if, if I have to, to eat one thing, it's going to be, be donkey. But yeah, I get what you're saying about the wood stuff. Cause we, my wife got me a, a Traeger, uh, two years ago for my birthday. Oh yeah. And Pellets. awesome. Like ninety-nine percent of the stuff that we cook is on the trailer. And because yeah. it's like we don't have any fast food around us or anything, so it's just it is simple as well. Like you can well, stick I, it on do yeah, stuff. I figured it out like in the eighties and nineties, man. That's funny, right? Like all these barbecue competitions and stuff that's like popular now, right? You know yeah. what? No one wins on gas. No, they don't. No, <laughs> it's they, all it, it's, it's never as tasty. Yeah, it's basically just yeah. So, how would you describe the flavor of donkey? Like, if someone asked you, what would you say? Um, depend animal depending. So, like, if, if I shot like a yearling eighteen month old, so like pretty much the probably the most common donkey age we shoot is um probably like uh, it's a it would be a, a jack that's been kicked out of the mob. So, like once they kind of are not babies anymore, the, yeah. the herd generally kicks them out. So you'll you'll find years. them and they they they're pretty dumb. Um, like, cause they haven't generally at that age, they haven't dealt with a lot of people. So they, yeah. they, they, we shoot a lot of those cause they kind of hang around and they're like, what you're, you're a human. You get a chance to actually shoot them. Whereas if you get a mob, the matriarchs have been shot out so many times. They've, they bolted. Yeah. Um, so, so that would be the, the two, three year old ones. Yeah. And that's, that's one of those I kind of liken to a, an older grass fed steak. So yes. like, you know, not your, not your 18 month old or a yearling cow that you normally get, like maybe a, a three-year-old cow, but grass-fed. Yeah. So it's got really nice flavor. Yeah. Um, it's, it, it, if you, depending how you cook it, you probably can't tell that it's not beef. Uh, when you get yeah, an older 100%. one, then the flavor does can change a little bit. Um, yeah. But it's just the closest thing would be like a, a mature grass-fed beef. Yeah, uh, so kind of like most species, really, I find anything around that mid-age. So I generally whatever i'm doing right i don't take the big ones i don't take the little ones yeah you know, same goes for fishing marin kind of whatever but yeah yeah I'll, when you said that the grass fed beef that's exactly how i described it to someone yeah and yeah. actually are you are you a grass fed beef or are you grain fed beef no we're generally the few few times a year we buy a steak we buy grass fed yeah yeah it's yeah. so different isn't it like i'm lucky right because i like i said i work at the markets right and I've got a few farms that come from down south to the markets and they're all grass-fed stuff. So yeah. I literally just got to walk like five stalls down and buy my grass-fed <laughs> lamb from Arlington Farms. Shout out to Arlington Farms. And, mate, it's like what you realise, when you start having grass-fed, I tell people, right, you realise how much, because what they, the grain-fed, look, what it does is, it, and look, my sisters, both two of my sisters are sheep farmers, right? So, or one was, one still is. So I know yep. a bit about it. <clears throat> I was, you know, my pop was a sheep farmer. The grain fattens them up for market, basically. And look, it does yeah. the flavour, but I actually reckon what it does is it masks the flavour. Because I, what, I, it washes it out almost. Yeah, it masks sense. the flavour of the meat. And I reckon what grey uh, grass fed does is because it doesn't necessarily have that fat on it the taste is more like the actual natural meat and it's a bit more like, because even people say to me, oh, what's grass-fed lamb like? And I tell them, oh, it's a bit like a cross between lamb and venison, you know? 
Yeah, well, too many people are used to eating chicken. Like honestly, like oh, that, it, and chicken doesn't taste like anything really. Well, most of the even grass fed chicken. So Arlington Farms, I buy their grass fed chicken as well. And like, you know, on Christmas it's Day, so my mother in law came around. I didn't say anything. Put the chicken out, and people were, were asking me like, "Oh, what, what's this?" Yeah, yeah, it's got so much better flavor. Like, there's a few places around here where we we buy, we'll, we'll get the um, pasture stuff, and it it most people aren't used to that. They're not used to flavor, and I think the other thing is people aren't used to working their jaw. Like that if, if anything's not just fall apart in your mouth, they get real put off on it. Um, yeah, true. They don't you know, like it, a bit of work, yeah. Yeah, so and, and I'm you know, I, I I like a bit of a chewy stuff sometimes, um, which you know, some people don't. It's like I'll eat my steak sometimes, just you know, basically slap it with heat and then it's done. Like it, it's yeah, still, I'm the same. You know, like I'm a big fan of steak tartare and stuff like that as well. So yeah, yeah. I'm the same. Like even in the smoker, so I've got the one they actually use the most, and I've got actually three uh, three smokers. But the one I use the most is my little Weber Go Anywhere because it's just like cook one on two steaks, and I just get it hot as fuck basically, and then I throw a few wood chips on it so it's smoking hard, and I'll cook the steaks on maybe like five minutes each side. That's it. And that's like a thick steak. So yeah, yeah it's nice. pretty rare inside, but that's the way I like it. Yeah. Just yeah. kissed by flame. Yeah. One of the ways we we're doing it last year, we did it a couple of times. We got like a whole porterhouse, you know, like a two or three kilo Ooh, yeah. uncut porterhouse. And we were doing that on the fire outside. So we were yeah. um, literally lighting a fire and just hanging off a chain <laughs> and just enough that it like literally we'd, we'd have it there for two hours where it was, yeah. you know, just barely rising in temperature yes, and then yes. just, on a really, really hot plate, like covered in butter and just getting this insane crust on it. Where it's best way, I reckon. Slice the steaks off and they were still rare and then we would sear those steaks again as well after they'd rested and the the flavour was just unreal. So good. Man, so good. How could you be a vegan? (laughs) (laughs) Not in this house, I show you. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, same, man. I was like, we fell out of the same tree, man. We hit a few different branches on the way down. (laughs) Hey, um, so I got a couple more things I want to ask you about, and then we'll start wrapping it up. So, um, as somebody lives, two things, these may or may not be of any interest to you, but have you ever, you know, as somebody's a hunter and, you know, out and about in the land a lot, I've always found generally these people are interested in this subject but you know they obviously around nanup they call it the nanup tiger but have you ever sort of uh had any experiences or uh yeah any thoughts about uh big cats uh, and big cat sightings in uh, the southwest I, like, I, I haven't seen one i'd love to um have you talked to anyone who has i have yeah like i, I know a few few different places that i i reckon um, and even the neighbours reckon there used to be one here on the place that we bought. Really? Uh, yeah. So the, we bought it, and and, and the neighbours because the the people we bought it off were, were one of the original settlers. Yeah. Um, so wow. they've, they've been crazy. family been here for over a hundred years. Wow. Um, and so yeah, we were chatting to them and, and stuff, and um, and yeah, so like, what are they yeah, saying? They they rec- they they absolutely confident there was one on the farm that we bought. Um, she Thank reckons you. she saw it thirty years ago. Um, and yeah, so, so they're convinced I, this would sound a bit, um, tongue in cheek, but I half want to see one to shoot it because you can't import any cats from Africa anymore. So kind of, I think that's skirting the regulation. Um, but yeah, so like, have you talked to anyone else who's any farmers or anything to the, what, uh, so the, well, there was the whole family reckon they'd all seen it individually. Um, they were kind of the only ones that I've really talked about. A few other places up near Bunbury reckon they'd seen some as well. 
Um, yeah, and did they give but, a description? Were they sort of like what you know? Did they say? Did they, are these people that know their sizes? You know, because no. you and me, right? Like honestly, I could show you a photo of any deer, and I'm going to say within five kilos, you're going to tell me what that deer weighs. Yeah, well, I, I, my my logical brain says that most of these were just big feral cats because, like, I yeah. have seen some, you know, 12, 13 kilo feral cats. Um, yeah, and. Like you know, they, a twelve, thirteen kilo feral it's bigger cat. Bigger than you of, think. Yeah, it looks like a bit like a, a lab, basically. You know, yeah. they start getting up around you know big fox sizes, and I, I think ninety percent sure that's what people are seeing most of the time. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. Well, the reason I ask is because it's a subject that I'm always interested in, and um, I don't know if you've ever read the book Savage Shadow. No, I haven't. Um, man, you should read that. It's a really good book. Look, just pump that into the old interwebs. Um, so basically a guy that worked at the West Australian, um, he, he sort of like, you know, it was back in the, I think this was seventies and eighties. Um, I could have my dates wrong. There might even be sixties, but yeah, back in the day, a lot of reports coming in. So he did a full investigation and like wrote a book about it. And this guy ended up actually seeing one and, um, I do, I do think they're out there, but I'm, I'm with you. And when I say out there, I look, I've got a theory on it, but, um, I think what happens is it's mostly big cats. Cause like you said, like I've seen a couple, like you said, bound 10, 12 kilos and mate, it was bigger than you think. And I remember, yeah. right. Going back in the day on the cover of like Australian hunting magazine or something like that, there was a couple of guys, man, that I'm pretty sure they were, they were getting, there was a couple on there that I want to say were either nudging or just over 20 kilos. You're talking yeah, about like 18, 22 kilo cats. And man, yeah. when you see that thing actually in front of the person, it's a lot bigger than you think. Yeah. Like it, it's, yeah, they're, they're very big when they're feral cat. Like, so that I, I'd love to be wrong. Like, I think it'd be cool to see one, but um, no, that's what reckon, my, my brain tells me I'm probably seeing. I reckon uh, if you spend enough time out there one day, you'll possibly come across something so i here's what i think right because like if you well here's the interesting thing and it's a subject right that shits me because like how's this right i've actually had my comments deleted off like forum posts because you know no one wants to know the truth like you know (laughs) never let the truth get in the way of a good story but if you read savage shadow right he basically he investigates because like what's the most common thing you hear right oh crashed circus and the U.S. Navy men had yeah. on these ships. They brought him here in World War Two, mate. This guy investigated all that. All the ships' logs went into it. All the circuses that travelled. It's all bullshit. Yeah. It's all bullshit. Not one piece of and like it was all just anecdotal evidence, right? And he he actually tracked it down, did some proper investigation work, right? But here's a couple of interesting things, right? So um, there's a few eyewitness reports which you just can't really and look. You know, there's a couple of photos I've seen kicking around. Like there's one in the uh, Blue Mountains and, mate, it's definitely a big cat. We're talking, you know, Sinjin, we're talking 50, 60 kilo plus animal. This is no, you know, 15, 20 kilo animal kind of thing. But yeah. in the book, one of the interesting reports, so it was down your way actually, it was down Mount Barker and it was a park ranger and it was one of the first park rangers and it was like around 1880, I think, 1890. And he saw this thing, like, from his vehicle, like, cross the track in front of him from six feet away, right? So, 
to me, that's a credible account. Like you can't ignore this guy's a park ranger. He fucking knows his shit. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like he sees this thing, it stands in front of his car for a couple of minutes, then walks off, right? So to me, you, so then it's like, well, hang on, 1800s, like that's be- way before circuses and US Navy yeah. ships, you know what I mean? So I actually got a theory, right, that people just move animals around, man. It's what well, they Well, you do. just got to look at the acclimatization yeah. society and what, like they brought kudu across to Australia, like yeah. WA. They brought, they How brought, did, you think fox, they could get on a ship. Fox, like, bunnies, yeah. redfin perch, trout. That's how all these things. Get on a ship, they brought it over. Got here, right? Now, I know a guy now. He's he's actually passed away now, so I can tell his story, right? But back in the day, I met this guy, right? And he was a mad fisherman like me, right? And a mad, like, sport fisherman. So, you know, freshwater, estuaries, light line lures, right? And we went over east and we went bass fishing, right? He fell in love with bass so much, right, that he spent $5,000, man, of his own money to bring a bunch of bass. And this was actually before the laws, like, track numbers. We got them through an aquarium yep. shop and we yep. got them in. And we went and stacked, we went and stocked, like, private dams. Um, and it's funny because anybody who knows what I'm talking about, these dams now pop up occasionally on fishing forums. And <laughs> we put Murray Cod and bass in those dams, right? And he brought them over. And look, it was illegal, but he was like, he wasn't waiting for the authorities, right? Now, that's just my mate, right? And like I said, he's passed away now. But think about all the other people that did that who, you know, rich people who just bought stuff in and didn't tell anyone. And I actually reckon that's probably how big big cats got here. I was like, you know, some rich dude bought him in, like up in the Northern Territory, man, that's how half that stuff got there. You know, and, and I think what happens place. is they, because, you know, like your place, they said, oh, the family saw it for all. What happens is I reckon one or two will like live in an area for a while. Because if you, if you study this, which I have, you'll get like heaps of reports around one area for like 10, 20 years. And then you'll see no reports in that area like before or after, but then it'll pop up somewhere else, you know, and it'll be yeah. like, and I think what it is, the other thing is you and I know, man, because a lot of my non-hunting friends, they'll ask me and they'll say, well, you know, what do you reckon? Is it big enough? You know, surely someone would get a picture of one now. And, all, and I'm like, eh, have you been out in the middle? Like, have you seen how fucking big it is? The other thing is even down where you live, man, like there's probably like, let's just say, right, there's an albino deer running around down there somewhere, right? You'll never see it. Oh, yeah. And you could be out there all the time. So using that as evidence, like, oh, they can't hide. There's too many people. To me, that doesn't really stack up. So, but yeah, I think. I've got puppies that have dozens of cameras on them and you still get new deer popping up that you see, not on a camera, all the time. Or you'll see a buck, right? And then you'll never see it again. I've had that on my camp. Oh, yeah. I've had that too many times. <laughs> uh, yeah, I just wanted to ask you about. I thought oh, I'd be interested to see if you've ever like come across anything. But yeah, if you're interested, Savage Shadow, all for the listeners. Oh, I'm look at. I'm always interested in the history of the Southwest and what people have seen and done and all that sort of stuff. It's yeah, um, yeah it's really cool. Man, really interesting book, actually. Yeah, good read. Um, so yeah, other thing I actually wanted to ask you about. So being a um, so some you you're what I class like as a uh, free thinker, right? Um, because as you and I know, right, 80% of the population just are what I call the sheeple, right? (laughs) And uh, the last couple of years has been very interesting uh, since 2020. So I sort of wanted to ask your thoughts about, uh, you know, the the old jabby jab and uh, what you thought about, you know, all that 
sort of stuff and uh yeah wanted to get you uh, well i i give a lot of people a break because i reckon people just like life's so busy they don't have time to do everything else do you know what i mean yeah um but like yeah look i i had to get it because i had to keep my like i couldn't go into certain places and work and that still um shits me like yeah like I don't believe in telling people what they can, they can and cannot do with their body, regardless of um, regardless of anything. Like shit, yeah. it's your body. You do what you want. You shouldn't yeah. you shouldn't be forced to do something to keep your job or to make like that's like. And they said, "Oh, we didn't force people." It's like you did. Like, yeah, and that still absolutely boils my blood. Like it's just, and then it's you know, and and I think what kind of gets me the most about everything is people that oh they like the government was doing their best and i was like well they really weren't though because at the time they were telling us we had to get these injections um we knew that they didn't stop the spread like we just it was it was categorically out like we knew that and then and then they were still forcing it so yeah i um yeah i have no good words to say about the the politicians and the people that forced us to do that (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Interesting. So yeah. So basically, to sum it up, so you had to have it for work, but you didn't. You you basically think people should. It should be personal choice. Do what you want. Like I like. Yeah. I used to care more about um, laws and that sort of stuff. And the older I get, the more libertarian I am. Like I really don't <laughs> give a shit what people do as long as you're not affecting me. And I Mate. want people to have that same courtesy towards myself. If that makes yeah. sense. And it's funny, right? Because I am libertarian. That's actually what yeah. I am. And I've like, so I tapped out of voting for the major parties about, uh, I want to say sometime in my early 20s. I figured out yeah. this is all bullshit. Um, so I just vote anybody else because someone's got to keep those people honest. And you can look what happens when you get a majority. Yeah. It's a perfect example now. You know, these guys running around doing whatever they want. And then old mate Papalier and he's fucking... Like, don't even start me on that guy. You know what I mean? What he's doing with the gun stuff, and I do want to ask you about that. Um, but um, yeah, I, I'm actually libertarian, and because I've actually, you know, I, a long time ago, right, I actually came up with this, you know, way of thinking. Right? I actually think tax is theft, right? And when I first started thinking that, I'd never really told anyone because I was like, oh, you're just a, you know, my other part of my 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 ego used to tell me like, oh, you're just a you know, you're just someone who doesn't like, you know, you're a tired ass and you don't want to work and all these kind of things. It's like, it's got nothing to do with that. And then I figured out like, oh no, there's other people who think the same way as me. And like, you know, I reckon car rego is one of the biggest fucking scams, right? That's ever (laughs) happened, right? And like, you know, because we've got one AK car and one my market car, right? Which is just an old VZ wagon Commodore, right? Man, I paid three and a half grand cash for it, right? Five years ago, right? It cost me $1,500 a year registration. Yeah. For the privilege of driving on the roads, the roads that are already built, right? Now, the other thing is if I want to go fishing, right, i got to license my boat, my trailer, then yeah. I got to get a skipper's ticket to drive the boat. Then I got to have a fishing license. Like, what the? F- I mean, like that just goes against my religious beliefs, man. Like, I just think it's all bullshit. And if you if you actually go up and down the street, right, and talk to anyone, even ask all your friends and ask them, you know, about you know what sort of society they think we should live in and all the rest of it, you'll actually find right that most people are libertarian. This is what I found, right? But they vote left or right. Well, I just like. 
uh, I'm not against taxes on like shit. There's something shit has to be paid for. Like I, I get that. I think yeah, what, what sure. boils my blood about a lot of it is like, you, I can't point to like, and this is what I say to us people. Can you point to a single thing the government does well? Yeah, like, exactly. You, I, I can look at every single thing the government provides and they do it expensively and poorly. <laughs> like, yeah, it's just, red tape. Like, and this thing about tax, yeah. man, let me tell you. So my mate Matt, right, he lives in Sweden and so we talk pretty regularly, right? He gets everything, man. And when I say everything, like everything, they don't pay school fees, university, high school. My son goes to a private school, right? Dude, it's like paying off a fucking new car every year. Right? Oh, yeah. It's, All it's right. They get dental, optometrist, like everything, Sinjin. And you know what? How much tax he pays, right? Because here's the myth. You'll hear a lot of people say, oh, you know, they pay more tax. Man, he pays 30% tax, man. Yeah. So that's the same. Yeah. That's That's what I pay here. Yeah. Except what's he getting for his 30% and what am I getting for mine? And that's that's what kind of shits me is it's just like I, I, I'm not against services being provided, but like I just think the government at the moment, yeah. um, it just, it's just, it's partly too big, I think is half the problem. And once you start, you create an organism that's too big, then it has to yes. justify its own existence. Oh, and it's exactly. as soon as it has and- to justify its own existence, it needs to do shit. And it's like, well, can you just fix the shit you've got? Like, can you fix what the, all of the problems that we have? Like, this is my thing with like politicians. And, and I, I've said this, the biggest problem with politicians is they have to pass legislation to look like they're doing something instead of fixing things that are already there or possibly fixing legislation that's already there. They just keep passing more legislation, which makes life almost yes. always harder. Like, that's a really good point. That's a really, really good point, man. Cause I talk politics to a lot of people. And that's something that really gets overlooked instead of, because that's what it constant. And like when you actually get out law books, right. And you're Mrs. Lawyer. So you know what I'm talking about. And I've gone through, man, I've read a lot of Australian laws and that's what I realized. It's like, there's so much old shit and they just keep putting band-aids over. It's like, why don't we go back? But there seems to be, it's like sheer weight of volume. There's just way too much old stuff in there that they just never attempt to fix it. It's always this next bit of legislation is the cure all. This next, yeah. this next bit of legislation will fix all. It's like, well, you've got legislation. Why don't mm. you maximize your use of it? And then, mm. if you're still screwed, let's see how we can fix that. But you don't. Yeah. Like, you just got to look at, you know, yeah. It's in they're, quicksand. They're... It's in quicksand. That's the problem. Yeah. It's like, it's like treading water in quicksand. And look, I've come up with this thing, right? It's like. I've realized it's easier to start a new country than it is to fix one, right? And that's actually an oxymoron because it's fucking impossible to start a new country. Well, wasn't there at um, Hutt River? So. <laughs> oh, yeah, Hutt River province. Man, that was that guy is right next door to my sister's place, yeah. yeah. My, my sister and my brother-in-law, Murray, they used to own the property like right next door to that guy. So, yeah, but oh, look, it's it kind of frustrates me. I always like to ask people their political persuasion. And but here's the thing, right? Here's one interesting thing I was going to say. When I did start voting independent, right? I used to notice that the the percentage of independent voters was about three to seven percent. And then, like the next election, it was like eleven percent. And then it was like fifteen. And then it was twenty two. And then it was twenty five. And like last election, man, twenty seven percent of the people in this country voted for something other than a major party. And to yeah. me, that's like, you know what? People are fucking waking up. And going back to COVID, you know, like 
I, when I ask people, right, because a lot of people are like you, they had to have the jab for the job, right? And they yeah. know now they got sold dud, right? But And what happens is they generally feel uncomfortable talking about it, right? Because most people judge them for that, right? But as someone like who didn't have it, man, I don't judge people for that, right? Because I, I tell people, right, like these days, you got to think about me like as a Buddhist, right? Because I literally have been on this whole fucking you know, midlife crisis, spiritual awakening, right? And I realized like how much of my ego just got in the way of fucking everything, right? So what happens is you just, as you get older too, man, and you you indulge in some mushrooms, you realize to like get, <laughs> let, let go of your ego, right? So then I, literally I, I don't judge, but what I find is that people assume that is what I'm going to do, that I am going to judge them and say, oh, what are you, what did you have the jam for? You fucking shouldn't have done that. No, that's not the right way to approach it, right? The right way is just to like say, hey, well, what did you think about what happened? And the most important question really is like, well, if it happened again, would you do it again? You know, and I think if you ask most people now, they would say no. And they're not necessarily interested to talk about it because it can be uncomfortable. But now they realize it didn't do the things that they said. And, you know, look, I don't know if you follow it closely, man, but just this week, uh, was, the Queensland was... High Court has just ruled that the compulsory, you know, uh, vaccinations yeah. for nurses and police officers was unlawful. And there's also another Supreme Court case for a guy in Victoria, which was ruled the week before. So he was unfairly dismissed on religious beliefs because he said, I'm not taking it on religious beliefs. So he got fired from his job. And that has also been t- overturned by the Supreme Court. And they said it's unlawful. It, it doesn't even stack up to international law. So, you it's know, because just... when the whole thing was going down, right, my son was like 14, 15, and he was like, he's very political aware, right? And he's like, Dad, what the fuck? Right? And I'm like, don't worry, mate. It'll all come out in the wash. This is how Australians do it, right? We don't charge the door like the French, right? We don't fucking take the palace, right? Yep, we're going to have to take it up the arse. But I said, trust me, there's going to be investigations. There's going to be court cases and it is going to come out. And, you know, because conspiracy theorists, right, will say that it was planned. I don't necessarily think it was planned, right? I think a lot of people in high places took advantage of a fucking situation. But you know what they did, man? They fucked up because now, guess what, man? Now we know. Now we know. I, I, don't, I, I don't even think it's that they took advantage. I think it just coming back to what a poli- like how politics works is you have to seem like you know what you're doing. And yes. if they'd come out and said, we have no clue what the right way for this is. 100%. We think that, and it said, we think, and like we're going to recommend... I think the media and probably like a lot of people would have slaughtered them for that. Whereas what they really yeah. wanted was someone to be like, we are doing this. And it's like, yeah. it doesn't matter if it was right or wrong. And it was freaking wrong, but that was what people wanted. And I, I think like, it's very much a, I think what's become more and more my issue is I'm, I like, as I get older is the government's not my parent. Like, no, that's like right. I don't want to be told off. Like I'm a child by the government. Like you're there to just manage like general services don't get involved in my personal and, and life or my like health when you don't need to like you know i ju- just yeah like that well, was my is, issue it was just yeah like they became parents you know yeah, well this is what's happened the government is no longer you know that's what libertarians believe government should be minimum yeah. just minimum should do the minimum job but yeah it's you know, uh, I, I joke with people i'm like i'm a libertarian light like because <laughs> i i, I I, like, good way, so. Well, like, because at the same time, as like I very much believe in host, like hospitals and healthcare. Like, like yeah, it, you know, my I I had cancer. Like, I, I 
my Albany oncology was freaking amazing, like absolutely amazing. The doctors were amazing, like all of that sort of stuff. So like that was all, you know, that was government that paid for that sort of stuff. And I'm very much pro, you know, health services and those sorts of things. But like, don't start telling me what I can and cannot do. I'm a privacy of my own home, like, yeah. or like what I need to get injected so that I can work and earn a living. Because you sure as shit are happy to take my money regardless, you know? Yeah, mate, you're like, 100% correct. And let me come back to this, right? Ego, right? What you said is 100% correct. Those politicians, right, at, when they fucked up and they realised it, you know what? They should have just said that. But here's the problem. Society doesn't allow politicians to do that because of what you said, media, right? The media would yeah. slaughter them, right? But we need to get better as a society, right? And we need to mature to a place where politicians can say, you know what? We were wrong. We went by the wrong advice. But, like, mate, these politicians will fucking die lying. You know what I mean? Yeah. And all they got to do is, like, let go of their ego a little bit and say, you know what, we fucked up. And then society needs to go easy on them and too and forgive them and say, well, you know what, okay, you fucked up, but let's do it better next time. Let's move on. And I actually reckon, you know, that's what's wrong with society, right? And I'll use an exhibit A, right? Like, so you know who's got the least, uh, you know, the best, uh, rates in the world for the least amount of prisoners reoffending. Do you have? Do you know where that is? Right. I'll tell you. Right. Well, I'll, before I tell you the countries, right, I'll tell you this is what they do. Right. Now, the countries that have got the reoffending rates down to like basically no one comes back. Right. When they go into jail, right, they get really nice accommodation. They get twenty four hours Foxtel. They get good meals. Right. They get guards who care about them right, and who talk to them nicely, who don't abuse them, right, and they go straight into rehab programs, right. In Australia, we don't do any rehabilitation programs at all in prison. People don't realise, right, but they're fucking rare. They don't happen, right. We beat fuck out of them and feed them shit, right. Now, why wouldn't they reoffend, right? Because what has society done to them? Now, who would have thought, Sinjin, who would have thought that love and compassion would be the way? And then if you actually treat people nicely, they don't reoffend, right? Now, if you go on Talkback Radio and say what I just said, you'll get fucking slaughtered, man, because all the rednecks will bring up, ah, fucking all the drug addicts, take them out in the desert and fucking shoot them and lock them up. And look, your natural instinct, right, especially if it happens to someone that you know, someone you know gets bashed or right, your natural instinct, right, is to punish that person, right? Well, I'm telling you, it doesn't work. It doesn't work. And society needs to mature to a level where we need to be more caring human beings, right? And it's funny, right, because when I say this now, right, as a you know, middle-aged man, people think, fuck, he's wise, right? But I was saying this when I was 18, right? Everybody should take mushrooms once. And even if you just never do it again, right, the world will be a better place, right, because you'll realise that everything's connected and that literally love and compassion is the way. And I know it sounds fucking corny or whatever, right, but that's the way forward. And, and that's somehow we've got to aspire to be a better quality of society. Yeah, I, I I always think of magic ones of what you do just to try and fix shit. And I, I, I have lots of ideas. Edu but education it, really is the key. We just got to make more smarter people. That's really what it comes down to. Yeah, I, I think it's more than that, though. You just have to make uh, more people who are independent thinkers. 
you know what I mean? Yeah, like, but that's I, what I, think, I mean. That's you know, what more smarter people are. They're more people that who do their shit and they don't yeah. rely on the government, you know. And that's like that's what a libertarian believes. It should be believes, you know, that you know communities raise people, you know. And it's that old thing, man. Dunbar's number. I don't know if you know, but a guy did a study. Yeah, I do. Yeah, people. Yeah, you know, that's how you. That's what we're supposed to be doing, and we've we've gotten all. We've gotten away from that, and I think that's part of the problem with politics too. So it's impersonal. And what you said before about too many levels, state level, national level, local level, I think that's what, you know, fucks everything up as well because it's been proven, studies have done before, the more you break something down, the less inefficient it, it becomes, you know, and the more money gets wasted. Well, it's, I just I look at I find it amazing how much money we have to do stuff with until, like, it actually affects the Australian population like you know we yeah. can afford to do all sorts of things that cost all sorts of ridiculous amounts of money um <laughs> and but you know as soon as like there's homeless people around so, oh yeah well there's no money for that or like yeah. you know our health care in this state hasn't been approved in freaking years and oh yet, but there's no money for that it's like yeah it's been money proven. for else. like <laughs> and yeah it's been proven like with the homeless thing right it's been proven that it's cheaper to buy them a house and a home house like Go on, uh, so I just watched a doco a couple of weeks ago. I think it was on Viceland on YouTube. Um, how Sweden or Switzerland, I think it was, got rid of, no, Norway. How Norway got rid of the homeless. Dude, it's not rocket science. You know how they got rid of them? They gave them homes. Yeah. And, and they worked I, out. They actually did study. I also worked in Homes West stuff, and uh, you fix a lot of the stuff every week. <laughs> Mate. That's been broken from last week. Don't like, worry, dude. I've done my mate Mick. Shout out to my mate Mick. He, uh, he had the contract to do painting for Homes West Houses. Man, I imagine. Fucking the stories I could tell you, man. Junkies, like fucking yeah. prostitutes servicing customers in the bedroom. We're, we're fucking painting the lounge room. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, like, um... it's crazy. But you know what? You look after these people, man. Give them decent accommodation. Got heaps of money for Ukraine. Yeah. I, that still shits me, honestly. But. A hundred million to send over there, but you know, no, we, you're a hundred percent right. Yeah, that it just, I don't know. I, I, I wish you could, um, you could vote on what your taxes get spent on. Like, yeah, yeah. I, like if you, if you could say, all right, you have to pay this amount of tax, you go, okay, well, fine, but then I want all of that money to go on the hospitals or I want all of that money to go on the roads. That really cares me because I think what you'd see is that suddenly there'd be no money for a lot of the bullshit. That's a good you know? idea. Like, if you could actually say to the, the tax department, like, fine, here is the hundred, you know. I'm paying 50 grand this year and so, but not that 50 grand has to go on hospitals. Yeah. You know, I think that'd be, it would, it would kind of, I think that would almost democratize the, the society because you, you just, you wouldn't get, you could be like, all right, cool. Then I want to spend on the schools. I want to spend on roads. If you, if you really, if what's really important to you is rehab facilities, then fine. Then that gets, that's what your money gets spent on. But then yeah. I, I, I would just love for the government to not be able to be in debt. Like, I think that would solve a lot of problems too. Yeah, I think it's all the bullshit. I heard a good thing on, I think it was on Rogan the other day, someone said this, right? And I thought, oh, this is not a bad idea. And what they said, right, was what we should do, right, is get rid of elections, right? Because they're corrupt as fucked anyway. And, like, even here, right, like, what do you reckon the percentage of uh, voter fraud is? Do you reckon it's zero, right? It's not zero. I reckon. Right? I, and, like. Yeah, it's never zero. But, no. like, at the same time, I don't think it's enough to, in Australia at least. No, to, to affect it. But do you know what I mean? Yeah. 
the, and it's more the money that comes in for, that influences the politicians. That's what I sort of meant, you know. So get yeah, rid of no, elections, no, right? Get get rid of all that bullshit, right? And then what we do is we'll just say, righty, okay, let's have three main parties. Let's say, right, left, middle, and right, and you get four years each. You get a turn for four years, right? Then you get a turn for four years. Then you get then no matter what happens. And I thought, oh, and then as I started to think about that, I was like. Imagine how they would approach it differently if they knew, oh, we've only got four years. And they're not trying to fucking milk it and just hang around and, like you said, make it look like they're doing work. And then I actually thought, you know what, it'd probably never work. But I was like, that's actually not a bad idea. Uh, yeah, I, I think I'd just love – I'd love it to uh, – if you, if you said that you, like, there'd be no donations to political parties – yeah, the money is so, what kills it. Well, it's when you have certain politicians leave and then get really nice jobs working for mine companies. It's like, no. yeah, okay, that that that's probably something, isn't it? You and I know it's exactly what drives the whole system, man, and that's what fucks democracy. Money, capitalism. It's the well, best the system, days? apparently. Qatar, that like in the state of Qatar, there's no income tax, no company tax, no nothing. It's all paid yeah. for by LNG X. Um, excises and it's yeah. like we produce more than they do the problem like, is what? they got the cash money from petroleum to back it up i think that's we the produce more than they do yeah that's i know but I it's like oh, where I, like it's just we don't tax like but you know their they, public fund that they have so they have a big public fund where all that petrol money goes and that's how they pay for all this shit but it's just i, I look at things like like for example you know they're, they're talking about that new um wind development off Busselton. yeah um and it's it's going to end up being a private company that makes money off public land, yeah. and that kind of shits me a little bit because it's like, uh, and I said this to a mate of mine who's a bit of an enviro. I, I said, I really actually don't care that they want to do this. If they want to do that and it works, great, that's awesome. Like ignoring all of the recycling problems there is with renewable energies, um, if it works and they can do it, great. I really object though to them locking up that area from fishermen and other yeah. people. Like I really like I don't. At the end of the day, like I think there's very much a mentality problem in this country of it's like, especially in Western Australia, because we don't really have public land. It's crown land or it's state land. It's like, no, no, no. Yeah. If we change that word, it, it's public land. Like yeah. the state owns that. We own that. It's not the government, I think, too often is has forgotten that it's not of the people for the people. It's exactly. Just, it's, you know, of the political class for the political class. And it's like, yes. no, like, it's not yeah. you're like, you just yeah, that sort of stuff frustrates me because it's like you just it, it, they've forgotten that like they're supposed to be serving people like and serving yes. the common interest, not like what sounds good or what is good for them. Like and I just like uh, yeah, I, you're I think exactly it, right. It's you know uh, they don't they, they, they don't realize that we are the government. Like you say, oh, the government owns that land. No, we are the government. You know what I mean? Exactly. We own that land. Yeah, this is what the thing that you know shits me, and it's never more evident because. What really made me realise it was my first trip to New Zealand because over here, right, like even so where I live, like Bickley, right, like I've got a whole lot of national park, you know, on the other side of me and, you know, there's places in there where I could go fishing and hunting and the signs basically lock it, you know, fuck off, don't come in here, you'll be prosecuted, right? And like, you know, oh, the rangers have got sensors on the tracks and cameras and all sorts of shit yeah. now, right? Like, oh, don't worry, I used to go in Mundaring Weir fishing like back in the day and poaching yeah. Marin and shit, right? And you can't do it now, right? And that, and it's like, 
who the fuck are they to tell me that I can't hunt on my land? You know what I mean? This is my land. This is where I live. And it does my head in, you know, and it's like, yeah, it's it's really, you know, we've gone the wrong way. And then what I was going to say is when I, what really made me realise it was the first trip to New Zealand because New Zealand has a completely different approach. They say, right, okay, you can use the land, right, but here are the rules as long as you abide by the yeah. rules. Whereas in Australia, right, a couple of hooligans go in there, so we lock it up and say, radio, you know, and it was like crossbows, right? One drug deal goes wrong and the dude fucking fires a crossbow, they ban crossbows. Like, and yeah. this is the Australian attitude. It's just like, yeah. lock it up, punish everyone. Whereas, yeah. Yeah. you know, no, I've realised no. other countries actually do have a, more of a system. It's like, and even Japan's a bit the same, pretty strict rules, right? But pretty much it's cool. As long as you're not fucking around with anybody else, you're okay. And, you know, like, yeah, that's always my thing is, like, I really don't care what people do as long as they don't affect me. And I really wish that that would uh, be returned, that favour would be returned to me. Like, when I, we, I just like, when are we start in our own country? Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> if someone wants to throw us a couple hundred million, then we could buy an island or Oh, something. man, I'd find plenty yeah. of people to, like, uh, yeah, because, like, I know so many people that are the same and, you know, uh, Lady Liberty. She's exactly the same, shares the same frustrations. She's been on here and, yeah, she's she follows you as just, well. Like, I think, my, like, my thing is, like, I'm all for helping out, like, my neighbour in quotation marks, like, and I think of my neighbour as, like, everyone in Western Australia, basically. Like, I'm all for, like, facilities and for things to help them out. What Like, and I've got no problem with, you know, social services that help that, all that sort of stuff. But, like, I also want accountability on that because, like, the government shouldn't just be handed a blank check to try and fix a problem because it doesn't work. Yes. Um, and I just, like I, I, in my brain, I just, I think it would be, I almost want, wish there'd be an independent committee that just analyzed everything the government spent money on and just went, you got zero, your cost benefit analysis was just not, not up to scratch. You know, yeah. that money should like, and just figure out where the best cost benefit analysis would be like, and focus on those to start with, like fix the problems we can fix, get the best value for money, and then work down the list. Not just go, let's throw a shitload of money at stuff, and we're going to get bugger all return. Yeah. yeah, you know, like it's because look, I just I feel like there's a massive problem at the moment where the government's like, well, we'll just borrow more money. It's like, yeah, but yeah. our kids are going to have to pay for that. Our grandkids and I, like, like they're screwed because we want stuff now. And like, I, I just it it's one of those things that like it existentially stresses me out. <laughs> Like, you know, yeah. it's how are our kids supposed to live in a world where they're born with hundreds of thousands of dollars of government debt per person on them? Like, yeah. what do you do, you know? Yeah. And this, like, is, it, and this yeah. is what it all comes down to. Everyone just wants to leave the place better than we found it. Yeah. Yeah, and it, it, it's, you know, on my very local scale, like I, I have that conversation with my wife all the time. It's like we do stuff on the farm that, like, realistically, when we have kids, they'll see the benefit, not us. Like, oh, like a lot of the stuff we've, we're setting sure. up, like our kids are going to be real freaking spoiled on Dude. like how they're going to have it. Whereas like we've Can you imagine stuff. inheriting a truffle farm? Uh, it'd make my life a lot easier. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Well, mate, coming up to two hours. So I think that's probably a good spot to uh, wrap it up. So yeah, I really appreciate you coming on. I've been following you for a couple of years now. Really enjoy your content. And um, yeah, if you just want to, oh, so we tell everyone, 
Um, they can find you. So the Aussie Outdoorsman on all socials, Facebook, yeah. uh, Insta, yeah, and then yeah, get on the YouTube. Make sure you give it a like because you got the uh, hog deer trip coming up, which I reckon is yeah. just going to be epic. Um, yeah, there's another deer hunting vid that's about to drop in the next week or so as well from oh, last yeah, year. Cool. Got some very nice bucks on it that'll people get excited about. Yeah, um, it's good. I like that you keep the content ticking over. It's not like every day or anything, but I I find those ones like sort of fizzle out. You know, it's just a good amount. You keep it's it. Whenever we over. have it, really, we try yeah. and put it up. Like it, it's uh, we you know we we film everything, but you know, ninety percent of the time, nothing happens. <laughs> yeah, yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> like if you wanted to watch forty hours a week of, of nothing happening, I could put that out. But oh yeah. man, people don't right. realize. Yeah. Back in the day, man, I used to work on a fishing TV show and people like didn't realize all the times you go, you just get nothing that just doesn't go to air, you know. Oh, there's, there's so much of like we've got stacks of you know just hours and hours and hundreds of hours of footage that is just yeah, it's just us sitting under a tree, basically, yeah. you know. So, yeah. All right, man. Nah, hit up all the, the socials. We really appreciate it. And, yeah, thanks for having me on. I yeah, I appreciate your chat, man. It's been really good. I really enjoyed it. And, uh, yeah, I look forward to uh, some more hunting content. Thanks, mate. Much appreciated. Yeah, no worries. Thank you. What the, what, what the, 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 what the